everyone. Happy Friday. Thank you for being here. This is a special episode of the non-campiest show brought to you by Mint Mobile. Thank you, Mint Mobile. John is off enjoying Nintendo World today. Did I get to go there first? I mean, is that a big deal? Does it matter who went first? I've been lauding it over its head. But we are here today, your Batman Beyond crew. We are going to be doing all the same stuff. Talk about movies, movie news, all kinds of good things. And we're going to be talking about them with you. You are the most important part of this show anyway. So I'm Chris Carr. I'm in the captain's seat today, but I'm not alone. I am joined by the wonderful Robert Meyer Burnett. Very excited to be here today. It's yeah. Friday, but there's a lot of good news to talk about. A lot of fun stuff to be had. So much I love stuff. being here in the studio with you people. Love it too. We've got Ray over there working on graphics, doing all kinds of great yep, stuff. In completely the opposite feeling for me. <laughs> oh, no. I love you though, Ray. Thanks We've a lot, got Ray. Jonathan making sure everything runs as smoothly as possible. Yeah, including lower thirds. Here we go. There Thanks. we go. We've got Taylor Gonzalez, who's going to be hanging out in the Good chat morning. with you guys and also reading some stuff for us later today. We also have a special guest in the studio. Hey, hey, what's up, oh, David? Hey. And of course, you guys are here with us as well. Now, a few housekeeping things before we dive in today's show. So if you cannot watch this on YouTube, your boss is looking over your shoulder, they for some reason want you to be productive, you can tune into us in podcast form. So you can head over to wherever you get your podcast, go over there, maybe hit us with some stars, maybe hit us with a little love in the reviews. We'd really appreciate that. And that way you can tune in later. And of course, if you can't watch the show live, you can always watch this segment it out later. Now, with all that down, let's get into a few off the tops. All right, the first one is this. This just came out. We have a release date now for Gladiator 2, Electric oh, Boogaloo. More Gladiators, I assume. Uh, you know, it's it's about Lucius. Yes. The son of perhaps Maximus and, and uh, Connie Nielsen. I just feel happy that anybody got to have a child with Connie Nielsen because Connie Nielsen's amazing. So this is Ridley Scott's Gladiator 2, his follow-up to his Academy Award-winning Best Picture, Gladiator. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Gladiator. Um, I used to use the opening Battle of Germania to balance out my surround sound system and make sure the subwoofer was in perfect balance because a lot of people, they overdrive their subwoofer. That's a smart way to test your stuff. I'm telling you. That's you really, got, really Well, right. you should do it with multiple films, but yeah. you got yeah, to do it incrementally because most people I've noticed, they don't get their subs quite right. Mm. But the Battle of Germania is perfect. I love this movie. I have a third-party perfect action figure of Maximus Decimus Meridius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and he will have his vengeance in this life or the next. Very, He's obviously dead. Yeah. Well, but I'm very excited Paul about Paul Mescal this. apparently is going to be you know, continuing on for him. That Which wonderful I, Irish actor. I think he's incredible. And he's up for, isn't he up for uh, Academy Award? Not so, Up yeah. for After Sun. Mm-hmm. And wonderful. Uh, great casting. I, I have to say that, I mean, Ridley Scott's a machine. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes like two or three movies a year now. He's not stopping. And I'm all there for it. I, I think, you know, the first Gladiator had no script, really. They were They were writing it as they went, famously. And the fact that they were able to make as cohesive of a film as they did was pretty miraculous. And that Oliver Reed died in a bar mid-production and they had to figure out how could they digitally finish him off so he could, they could, they could make it work. And they did. I, I love gladiator. I do not apologize for my, my love of a, of a, of a sword and sandals movie. So many people love this movie. Now the new one is going to be coming out November 22nd of 2024. So for people like me or Taylor who were a little too young for Uh-oh. the first one and we still haven't seen it. What? We've got time. Like, come on. I did say, I did say you and Logan. I know have to come we over. have to come up. We have an ongoing list now of all the stuff we have to come Well, we should watch see. triple feature. That'd be so fun. And Ray, you recently got to experience this movie the first time. Look, this is one of those rare movies where it's a long movie. But I enjoyed 
enjoyed it. Like, it, I could watch the whole thing all the way through. Um, you know, it goes with uh, The Godfather. Uh, what are other long movies? Apollo 13. <laughs> um, Lord of the Rings. Hopefully I'm adding another one this weekend when I finally watch Avatar. Woo-woo! The Way of the Water. <laughs> finally don't have any duties this weekend. I'm going to go see it by myself in 3D. Going to check it out. Let give you my late review as always. All right. Um, but yeah, this movie is good. Coming if you haven't seen it, you're you're doing yourself an injustice. It's a great movie. Uh, I I love like the 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 gladiator times, the whatever the Roman Roman era mm-hmm. Roman era. Um, this is it done right with with a very very good story in the middle of it. So I uh, hope they get Lisa Gerard of Dead Can Dance and Hans Zimmer to come back and and, and, walk, and Joaquin Phoenix. If there wasn't an actor that I was exposed to the first time, which was, this is the movie that introduced me to him. I've never wanted to slap someone's face so (laughs) hard in this movie. Like, seriously, I hated his guts through and through, which is a great sign of his acting abilities. Oh, he's Um, great. He's uh, below Danny from For All Mankind. Just (gasps) right below Danny. Oh, speaking of, Uh who just finished season three? This guy right here. What you think? Oh, and what is your verdict on For All Mankind? Oh, I love it. Okay, good. I can't wait. I and and you know how I, I love how they end each, and this isn't like any kind of spoiler, but how they love love how they end each season. The closing song is a song from, from the next decade. Yep. Right? Oh, that's uh, smart. And so, yeah, and I love the reveal at the end of this one, too. So. But no, the main point is, do you hate Danny <laughs> as much as me and Rob hate Danny? Is he your walking Phoenix? You know what's weird? Oh. I don't I don't hate Danny because I just he's so inco- no, no no he's a bug he's so inconsequential he's so weak he's not like a good villain where he's a foil he's like just so he just walks in a room it's like oh I just messed up the moon and Mars and everything I feel like that's very in character for you though Jonathan it's just like, like oh, you're I a very unbothered your... person when someone annoys you you're just like well, I don't care yeah about you. they become nothing to me yeah. so I'm just like yeah. I wish I had that ability I care so All much Gen Z in a in a in a, in a character. Yeah. But I don't hate him. I just like you're nothing to me. There you go. <laughs> but very excited about Gladiator coming yeah. out. <laughs> Folks, let us know if you are excited. November twenty second, twenty twenty four. Well, Taylor and I have watched it by then. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> let us know what you think about this in the comments down below. All right, and we do have one other off the top today, and that is this: for many, many moons, people have been given Titanic shit about some logistical issues. A big logistical issue. A big issue. logistical issue. So, Rob, talk us through this National Geographic special. It's going to dispel some things. So, as everyone knows, and and Leonardo DiCaprio has heard about it, Kate Winslet has heard about it, but no one's heard about it more than Big Jimmy C. Big, J- big James Cameron himself. <laughs> see, baby. Why didn't Jack get on the door with Rose at the end of Titanic and save his own life? Yeah. Well, uh, that question has now been settled scientifically. There is a, well, has it been settled? We'll see. Uh, James Cameron (laughs) aims to settle it in this National Geographic special. And uh, leave it to James Cameron. You know, people ask him the same question. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do what most insane, intelligent people do. I'm going to turn to science and National Geographic. I mean, this is the man who went down to the Mariana Trench. And I don't know if we have a quote from this. Is there a quote to read? Uh, I I think, uh, anyway, if we don't. Uh, so what they're going to do is they're going to show you. They're actually going to see if it's possible. Could actually Jack have gone on the <laughs> door? Great. Could they have survived? <laughs> I mean, 
come on now. We'll see. How long can they last? Show it. What will be the definitive answer? So and he maybe, took this long to answer this he's question? He's like, get on this piece of wood in this pool. I'm solving this now. Back in 2012, the Mythbusters did a whole episode on this, too. Yes, they and did. they didn't address certain aspects of this. And James Cameron went on record, too, going, I think you guys are missing the point, though. He has to die because he has to die for the narrative. He dies a hero. He saves the woman he loves. But I am interested to watch this because I love the idea of James Cameron just being like, I'm so sick of this fucking question. Yep. Let's just do it. We'll do it live. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and let's make the water as cold as it is in the North Atlantic. And he where... did it? Did he do it himself? There's a special coming There's out. There's a special coming out. Like yeah. he went in the water himself? Oh, no. Well, no. Oh, he directed that. Directed you can see, he's off. like, you get in the cold-ass water, and I will just sit here and yeah. watch We're supposed you to answer the question, Mr. James Cameron. He actually just does this for fun on a Tuesday. <laughs> and I just love the fact that it's probably the same water tank they shot half of Avatar Way of Water in. And he just said, you know what we should do for lunch today? <laughs> you know it'd be fun. I'm going to call National Geographic. Uh, I love this idea. I'm very excited to watch this. Kudos to you, James Cameron. It shows that you have a, a tremendous sense of humor and a lot of love. So I can't wait to watch this. And maybe maybe there'll be, you know how was, there was the Ice Bucket ALS Challenge? Mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be the Titanic Door Challenge. And all across the world, <laughs> oh, young gosh. people will be trying this in pools or maybe even the ocean everywhere. I hope so- not. It's got Tide Pod Challenge written all over well, it. <laughs> at least, at least guys and girls will be getting together. Does this come out before the re-release of Titanic? I think it. it I, I, I it's think tangential. it's in. Yeah, it's tangential to that because so, we are getting Titanic is being re-released in theaters for Valentine's I Day. I won't be there if you guys haven't seen. <laughs> I, 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 I do have to say, if you haven't seen Titanic in a theater, mm. and the post 3D conversion is quite good. Uh, do yourself a favor and see the movie in, in a theater because it truly is. When you watch it on TV, it's fine, but it is a spectacle, just like the Avatar movies are. And give it, give it uh, the old uh, college try and get out to that theater and take your loved ones and go see Titanic for Valentine's Day because it is a great experience, yeah. especially in IMAX. My parents took me to see it, and then they were like, "This is a mistake. She's ten. She shouldn't be here." Were you crying? But oh. She was surprised. Sometimes. <laughs> but then, like, certain moments I laughed inappropriately. And then to age myself further, we had, you know, the two VHS tape to watch yeah. it at home. Because it was so long, it, it wouldn't so fit long. on one. Yeah. They regretted um, it when she kept running around yelling, paint me like your French girls. <laughs> <laughs> Christine stuff. All right. But guys, let us know what you think. Are you excited about tuning into this National Geographic special? Do you think Rose should have never let go physically, not just metaphorically? Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments down below. All right. Now, guys, you know that this show is brought in part by Mint Mobile and the good folks over there. Ryan Reynolds himself loves to go through these phone calls. Listen to your questions. You can call him at any time. 951-268-4259. Call whenever you want to ask a question. We'll go through and we'll see if they are right for the show. Jonathan, what do we have today? Hi, my name is Paulo, and my question is unsurprisingly about the James Gunn announcements. So given Warner Brothers' reactionary past when it comes to some of their projects, do you think we'll see the rest of the Gods and Monsters phase, the plans released before or after some of the announced projects come out? Thank you. For DC. Oh, are we muted? Are we muted? How dare you? I would never forget to unmute you after the Mint Mobile sec- sec- segment. <laughs> Well, anyway, what I was saying is, uh, after the Dark Knight trilogy that Christopher Nolan made, there was a thought that Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder would team up and they would make they would forge a path for the DC universe. And that path included Man of Steel, which is a $225 million movie that did not gross 
It grossed into the 600 millions. It did not do what they hoped it would do. Um, and then moving on from there, we don't need to get into the whole Zack Snyder second guessing thing, but yeah. there was David Ayer doing Suicide Squad. They second guessed that. They brought in a trailer company to recut the movie. So DC's uh, head honchos were very reactionary in this because they were looking over at Marvel and everyone's looking at them going, well, how come we aren't doing, we've got Superman and Batman. Why aren't we doing those kinds of numbers? The problem was, is that the executives and the filmmakers, there was a big disconnect. They didn't have a plan. They were not working synergistically the way that Kevin Feige works with his filmmakers and now works with Disney brass. They have a very good relationship. They have a machine that can make these movies. They know what they're doing. Um, and DC didn't have that. Warner brothers didn't have that. What James Gunn and Peter Safran were hired to do specifically was to chart a course. You have a producer in Peter Safran that has already produced the Shazam movies, the Aquaman movies, billion-dollar grocers, and he oversaw the Conjuring universe at Warner Brothers already for James Wan. That's the Conjuring movies and all the spinoffs, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, The Curse of La Llorona. I mean, all of these movies were under Peter Safran, so he has had experience with the studio running another franchise. So you have these two guys plotting a course, and their job is, and I think they did quite a good job coming up with a really interesting slate, that if you really look at what there is method to their madness, and I think we'll see it emerge. Now, whether they're going to be interfered with, mm -hmm. look, it ain't show friends, it's show business. And if their movies, if Superman comes out, and I'll tell you right now, if it's not a billion-dollar grossing movie, it's going to be a disappointment. And I think David Zaslav, look, David Zaslav has rolled out the red carpet for these two entities. They've known each other for over 20 years. Peter Safran and James Gunn have a great working relationship. Gunn is coming off of three very successful, well, two very successful mm -hmm. Guardians movies. I think the third one is going to be successful. The Christmas special was great. Suicide Squad probably would have been much better received if it wasn't the pandemic. They love Peacemaker. He comes from the indie film world. He came from Troma. He made Slither. He made Super. So he's a filmmaker that knows how to do things on a low budget and on big budgets. Great choice. Mm -hmm. Loves comics. Peter Safran's a money guy. Makes sure movies, big movies like Aquaman, get made, made on time, on budget. And our quality. And our quality. So these two guys have been given a task. No one else has ever been given this kind of task in Hollywood before. Kevin Feige made it himself. He forged that opportunity but they have been given this opportunity by the new head of Warner Brothers. I think it could be great. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think that, um, again, though, they have to deliver. Well, I want to talk more so about that. Yes. Yeah, because Paulo really talks, too, about how, how they're going to pivot, right? Right. So let's just, wild speculation, hypothetically speaking, if they do not stick the landing on soups, one, how do you pivot from that? Where do you go? Because that is your main entity. Really, at the end of the day, when you think Justice League, it's typically your big three. So if Superman does not stick the landing, where do you go from there? And how do you pivot from that? That's a very good question. I mean, remember, they're going to launch with Creature Commandos, mm -hmm. which is going to be an animated series. It's not going to cost 200. Well, I don't think it costs $200 million to make. So they have Creature Commandos, and they're going to be developing these films in tandem. They're, I think that... They're not just going to make one Superman movie and, and wait and see. Here's the thing. When I worked in feature production at Warner Brothers three decades ago, all of the executives had to watch all of the footage that was coming in from the movies every day. I don't know if that's still the case. People probably watch them online. I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that the executives do not watch all the dailies. <laughs> I'm with you. Come in every day. They don't. The responsibility level has changed at the studio level. Um, 
But I think that they're going to be developing three or four movies. You got Swamp Thing, you got The Authority, you got Superman, you got Batman. I think those are the four that they're doing, mm-hmm. right? No yeah. one, no one saw that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I think they're going to know. They're going to know in the various stages of development where these movies are going to go. And James Gunn has said the best thing I think any studio filmmaker producer could say: We are not going to make these movies until the scripts are right. That's something. There are too many tentpole properties, even movies like Gladiator. They didn't have a script. They were writing it. They were literally writing it as they made the movie. Mm -hmm. It's a miracle. It turned out as well as it did. That happens way too many times on these tentpole properties. James Gunn, I mean, they're not bringing out Superman until 2025. That's true. They're going to get these scripts ironclad, and they're going to do (laughs) parallel development. I think they're going to make these great. But they'll know. I mean, you think David Zaslav's not going to be looking at this every step of the way? Very, very true. And I think a lot of it, too, starting with these relatively smaller projects, doing animation, television, that sort of thing, which obviously television can balloon depending on your budgets. We're going to talk a little bit more about the CW later and how some of their episodes cost $5 million to make. They're not turning profits. So I think starting on this end of the you know production spectrum, though, with that level of you know money going into your projects, I think that's also why things have the ability to create momentum here because you're not putting all your eggs in one basket with these first few releases. You get to do some really quality stuff. And we've seen from DC too, their animated things for the most part have been excellent. And Harley Quinn is such a wonderful example of that. A lot of the DC straight to film, uh, straight to video kind of things haven't been great, but some of them have been outstanding. So I think if you really, really play to your strengths and as far as those animated properties go and bring in Creature Commandos, which is a very new, exciting IP to most people, you really can do a lot there. And it provides you with that pivot room too. If this is a little too weird, the other things don't have to stay in that same vein entirely. We can play to those genres that they seem to be working with this season. And I also think you could see the previous administration has, you've got Shazam Fury of the Gods, mm-hmm. you have Blue Beetle, you have The Flash, which James Gunn himself has said is one of the best comic book movies ever made. And it culminates with Aquaman 2, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Think of those as a booster rocket that is launching a new uh, this new regime. And if those films do well, and I imagine Flash and Aquaman are going to do both do very well, that's a great way to to bring back some excitement and give them a little bit of momentum, a little bit of push. I know it came from the previous administration, but it kind of it kind of gets people excited again. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, and we keep being told that it's going to be serving as a catalyst to be doing that reboot. Yep. So it's not like we're going into it and then it's full clean slate, nothing mattered. There's going to be some kind of and now we're going into this next almost phase, kind and of how Marvel does it. There were reshoots done on The Flash in the summer. Now, this was before this new regime was in place, but I think some of that they've caressed, I would imagine they've caressed The Flash to help that movie define how this new universe is created and how we're moving into it. So I think mm-hmm. it's definitely something It's it's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to see the the idea that I'm all about authorship and the planning and and the thought that has gone into this, I'm very excited for that reason alone. Me too. And these seem like really cool projects. But guys, are you excited about this? And how do you feel about Paolo's question here? Do you think Warner Brothers is going to just be kind of really focused on how we all react and they're going to make adjustments based on that? Or do you think they're going to stay the course and give us the lineup just as they have talked about it with us? Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. All right, y'all, before we get into our main topics, we are going to take a quick break to listen to one of the sponsors of this show. 
the good folks. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously, around here on the John Campus Show, we love our movies. So why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster, or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself, or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling? And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Just go to masterclass.com slash campia now. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off masterclass. And thank you to the folks over at Masterclass. Remember, y'all, when you use these Campia codes, not only are you helping yourself out and getting a tasty deal, you're helping all of us out, too. So, yay. How symbiotic of that. That's wonderful. All right, let's get into our main topics. And how do we pick our main topics? Well, usually you guys do that. But for some reason, John still won't let me hack into his email. I don't know why. I definitely wouldn't personally email Ryan Reynolds. That's not something I would ever do. But so we picked our topics today based on what was hitting up in the news. So... What is our first topic today here? We are going to, ooh, golly, sorry, I lost my email. We are going to be talking about Avatar 3 here. Wow, I mean. Avatar now, 3 news. This is pretty exciting. Uh, Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter, mm-hmm. Una Chaplin, what a cool name. Oh, I know, right? Is part of the Fire Navi, she is the Fire Navi leader in Avatar 3. And of course, we know that there's a big time jump set for Avatar 4 because James Cameron has spoken about how that he shot the first 15 minutes mm-hmm. of Avatar 4 with his young cast because they would if they waited they would age so much like and there's like a yeah. 6 year time jump. So it's really I mean you know James Cameron's thought about these Avatar movies. At least we're getting back to authorship. And they're going to Earth in Avatar 5. That should be fun. Exactly. And a lot of you might recognize Una from Game of Thrones. Yep. She's iconic in that show. The Red Wedding. And she's a wonderful, wonderful actress. And what we have confirmed here, too, is that she is going to be the leader of the Fire Navi, or the Ash People, I believe is what they're the calling Ash them. The Ash People. Because they all do all of their life around the volcanoes of Pandora, which is really, really interesting. Also, at the same time, I can't help but make the comparisons to Avatar The Last Airbender every time I hear about a new Navi subset, basically, where I just keep wanting to be like, and then everything changed when the Fire Navi attacked. Well, I'm Earth, really air, fire, and water. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think though that, um, and these are petro- they're, I guess they're not nice. Apparently not. Uh, they're a Apparently, little hardcore. Yeah, these are the more aggressive, antagonistic Navi. Yes, I mean that's I, you know, mm-hmm. if I was living around volcanoes, I might be that way too. Yeah, you know, there's there's when I was a kid, uh, I went to Hawaii for the first time, and I was terrified to get on a plane, but that's a different story. But there was Madame Madame Pele Pele. P-E-L-E, I think. Mm. And she was like the goddess of volcanoes, the Hawaiian goddess of volcanoes. And I, I thought when I first went there that I would I would want to grow up and marry 
the goddess of volcanoes because how cool would that be? Ooh. I was dispelled of that uh, on that same trip trip because we went to the top of the Haleakala volcano in Maui where you could go down the sliding sands into the crater, and I was terrified to do so. Oh, yeah. So my desire to meet and marry Madame Pele was... Uh, was actually thwarted <laughs> when I actually could have gone down into a volcano to meet her. I eventually did, but with much trepidation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited. I think this is exciting. I mean, you know, we're, we, I, I think the, the water Navi and the, the forest Navi, I, they were kind of, you know, they can hang out together, but yeah. fire ash people. I'm interested to see it. And I love the report so far too, talking about how so far we've only seen the Navi, uh, you know, antagonized by outsiders really when it comes down to it and there may be some you know butting of heads within these tribes and everything but we haven't seen anyone actually be really really aggressive within these tribes and so i think that's something interesting to look at here too especially since we know that the next film a couple down the road either four or five is going to be earthbound so i think we do need to explore more of these subsects and see you know how all of these cultures work together or don't I think it's going to be a really, really cool exploration, furthering James Cameron's idea of people's relationship with nature, how it affects them and how it affects others. I got a question for you. Okay. I might have an answer. At the end of the Avatar saga, Mm. do you think that Iowa is going to be transported somehow to Earth so Iowa can reinvigorate the planet and bring Earth, revive Earth back? And that is is the, 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 the big um the big message of the entire Avatar saga is that we have to be Iowa. Only we can save our own planet. I would hope that it instead would be a seedling of some kind, not completely moving it, because the idea of taking well, yes, something I mean, that not, belongs to indigenous people yeah, yeah, we're not gonna, no, 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 no. Yes, very this, off. <laughs> yes, I didn't mean that Iowa was going to... No, no, no. It would be an, I, I would, would, her tendrils would reach out. Yeah, I think that would be Earth. really cool if there was some kind of saving of Earth, because that's been one of the big thrusts here, too, especially with Edie Falco's character talking about, like, resources, we don't got them anymore. Right. We're done so. we got to figure something out. So I think that would be really neat if it was something where we could find some sort of symbiotic relationship that goes, okay, you all get to continue to exist. We all get to continue to exist without having to, you know, pillage essentially and take somebody else's resources because that's been such a big part of this so far as well is just earthlings coming and taking so much so it'd be really nice to see if there's some actual accord that could be met by the end of this saga and maybe ultimately it's jake who shows the way of this how two civilizations can work together and his ultimate sacrifice which would be himself yeah would lead to the resurrection of the planet that'd be really or cool. something yeah or sigourney weaver's reincarnated daughter of sorts yep Interested to see more on that. Yep. That's really cool. She stuff. is Iowa. Mm-hmm. I think. I feel like that too. It's very yeah. exciting. What do you think? Yeah. Let us know what you think, you guys. Go to the comments below. Let us know your thoughts and theories about these Avatar films. And let us know if you are excited about this next installation. Bring it on the fire, folks. All right. All right. With that down, let's get into topic number two. Now, this comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. We have learned that the CW is continuing to make a lot of cuts. Now they have gone on to cut their development department. So for those of you at home who aren't quite sure what we're talking about here, basically all their original scripted content... We have gotten rid of a lot of the folks involved here. Our last few executives uh, have been let go. And it looks like the CW is making a big, big pivot to unscripted television. Now, why would you do that? Well, unscripted television is way, way cheaper, y'all. And people still tune in. I I love Love is Blind. <laughs> I am 
somewhat ashamed of it. Love is <laughs> blind, love though, it is so an act. Much. It's fascinating. It's a really fascinating show. And a lot of these shows just don't cost nearly as much money. You know, CW has renewed shows like All American. I'm not sure where they're standing on Superman and Lois, which is a great, great show. But that costs $5 million an episode. It's expensive. And the CW has not been turning a profit for years. You mean Riverdale hasn't been just bringing in the cash? Apparently not. Apparently not. What a surprise. So, Rob, when you hear about this, what's your takeaway? Well, look, I mean, right now... We have the business is undergoing a, a sea change. Everyone's still trying to figure out. They call it the streaming wars, but this, it's not really the streamers aren't at war with one another because they don't have enough money to fight. They're fighting for their own their own existence. It's now it's an existential crisis because the problem is, you know, as Hollywood uh, is wont to do, they they see something. In, at least the way I see it, they saw streaming as a way to make easy money for the first time. Your subscription base. Is, is money you can look at on a monthly basis, cash flow, that is pretty much a sure thing based on your subscriber numbers. Now, everybody wants more subscribers. There's only a finite amount of people that can subscribe on this planet to any, to any streaming service. So everybody has to f- figure out how can they make it all work. Everyone thinks I have to put on – I mean, making shows is expensive. You know, you look at the streamers, whether it's Disney, billions of dollars in debt, because – and Disney – even with their back catalog, they're not pulling down. If you look at what Netflix has from all over the world, they have a widely diverse uh, programming slate of all kinds of things, mm-hmm. from documentaries to Bollywood romances to Korean game shows like Squid Game. I mean, there's so much stuff that the other streamers are trying to catch up, and um, it's tough. So there's no way to survive by out. CW never made money. It's never been profitable ever, so they can't. And they're being sold. They're being sold off. They can't. They can't survive doing what they're doing. Yeah, I believe they're going to be under Nexstar at this point in time, and so it does look like they are doing a lot of the the foreign film, uh, foreign scripts, unscripted. I mean, how many unscripted shows could you make, uh, it, like entire runs of the show for one the budget of one episode of Superman and Lois? You can make a ass load of those. A lot. Yeah. And uh, you know you hire a good a good crew to go in, hire mm-hmm. some folks cheaply, and go make whatever show you're going to make. Yeah, home improvement shows. You Absolutely. know, Discovery made a whole business model out exactly. of that. Exactly. There's a whole Magnolia Network now with Chip and Joanna. You know, uh, all ship lap all the time. No, and I look. I think I think it's 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 a tough. And with with entertainment being more spread out than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, I have people telling me how much they like watching classic Star Trek on Pluto TV. I'm like, you guys didn't watch like Last of Us? No, no, no. I was marathoning classic Star Trek from 1966 and not watching new stuff. There's so much out there that out, you know, outspending your opponent is no longer an option. You're going to go straight into the poorhouse. Well, what's really interesting, too, about this, for me, at least as an actor, is the timing because it's pilot season. And the CW was where a lot of new material was essentially tested and greenlit. Because, you know, you could have these teen dramas or murder mysteries or things like that on this network. And, you know, they'd come and go and everything. But this was still one of the the last remaining actual network television groups that was still participating in the idea of pilot season. Because with streaming, right, there's usually something happening kind of all the time. This is what we think about when we're thinking about, like, those big tentpole operations, your ABCs, your NBCs, etc. But it's really, really interesting to have a network go, hey, we're not doing anything any of that right now yeah how do you think the writers guild of america feels about more unscripted programming that's what i keep thinking about is this feels like right before when we had the writer's strike of just well we had that big boom 
of, you know, all this unscripted television, all this reality television. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think the other networks are going to follow suit to cut costs? No, or is because this just them. Look, the flip side of that is we are in a golden age of great content. There is so much great scripted programming being made, but the great stuff is also expensive. I mean, you, you know, we talk about HBO is still the gold standard of TV shows, whether it's Last of Us, you know, whether it's whatever succession. I mean, you look at what HBO is putting out this year. They do a fantastic job, but their shows, you're talking 10 million an episode. I don't know how much Last of Us costs, but I'll tell you, it ain't cheap. And and the thing is, when HBO gets makes a show, you look at a Last of Us or a succession, it becomes the most watched show in the world. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. But Riverdale ain't that. So, I mean, it's... it's that first it's, season was so fun. It's hard out it there so for a fun. showrunner. I know. It really, really is. Well, guys, we want to know what you think. What do you think about the CW getting rid of most of its scripted department? Do you think this is going to usher in a new era of reality television and other networks might follow suit? Do you think this is just limited to the CW? Do you even know the CW is still around? <laughs> Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. All right. And with that down, our third topic today, this is one that you wanted to talk about, Rob, and I'm really, really excited for you to go on about this because you were saying <laughs> some really, really fun points. So Zach Krieger, who directed Barbarian, wrote which, and directed, wrote and directed Barbarian. excuse me, which you and Taylor loved. You guys would not stop talking about this movie. He had reminded me real- of my mom. No, oh, no. no, I'm just kidding. My oh, mom's nothing like that. I know that, enough about the that movie was for just that to make joke. me so upset. Oh. My mom is nothing like that. Oh, golly. Spoiler alert. Well, talk to us about this whole auction for okay. his script. Okay, so here's here's what I love about this. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, a guy named Zach Krieger, who is from a sketch comedy background, wrote and directed Barbarian. They shot the movie in Sofia, Bulgaria, where I have also made a film. Uh, they basically made it for four and a half million bucks. Um, one of the people behind that film was producer Roy Lee, who's somebody that I've I very much admired his career because Roy Lee had the foresight in the early aughts to recognize the fact that the Japanese, that well, the Asian industry was making some incredible, mostly it was J-horror, stuff like The Grudge, The Ring, um, Dark Water, um, the, the stuff that... Um, um, there was certain directors working. He also was able to acquire the rights to Infernal Affairs, which became The Departed. So for, for 10 years, Roy Lee did something that the rest of the industry didn't do, and he acquired all of these great horror properties. I mean, I still think that Gore Verbinski's The Ring is one of the great modern, uh, especially studio horror films. That Even from the opening scene, that movie works beautifully well, even though I also use it as an example of true gobbledygook because... What is, what is what is Samara, a.k.a. Sadako, what, what, what are they I doing in the afterlife? You know, waiting until somebody watches her videotape. It's the best. The Ring is a fantastic film. Uh, so is The Departed, by the way. But so, you know, Roy Lee is now finding, I, I you know, people say send me your scripts. I wish I could find the scripts that Roy Lee finds. But uh, because the man finds amazing material. And Barbarian's a piece of that. So based on the success, Barbarian made, I don't know the exact, on a $4.5 million spend, it made $45 million worldwide, something. It did very well. That's a hugely profitable film. So like what should happen in the industry, Zach Krieger has written another script that, by the way, I can't find anywhere because it's under lock and key. If anyone has weapons, hey, your boy, <laughs> send, send, send it to me. Uh, I want to read it. I promise I won't send it to anybody else. I swear to God. But so he has his new project, Weapons. And Roy Lee is, again, a producer on Weapons. And they 
There was a bidding war that broke out. Jordan Peele was interested in acquiring it. Didn't get it. Fired his management team. Not happy about that. Mm -hmm. But it was an old school filmmaker who did good, made a movie that made money, had a new script, a new project, and, and it was like piranhas in the water. They were salivating to get Zach Krieger's new project. They made a huge deal. I think the deal was $38 million, it says in the trades. $38 million. $38 million bucks for the budget of the movie and Zach's fee for writing and directing and probably producer's fees and all that. But still, guy makes a $4.5 million movie, makes, makes some money, and he sets up his next project after a bidding war, $38 million bucks at Warner Brothers. Kudos to you, Zach. Kudos, this baby. is this is the dream of young filmmakers That's everywhere. A moment. And based based on quality and based on a producer like Roy Lee who understands good material. And it's not just Roy Lee. Uh, you know, it's it, there are other other people. But but I think you know, Roy Lee is a guy who's always had his nose to the grindstone. He has great taste and he makes shit happen. And you know what? He pretty much he had that script. He had Barbarian. He made it occur. And if you look at Barbarian, by the way. Kudos to the marketing department because they did look at the marketing of that film when they did like a fake. They made it look like it was a comedy movie. Did you see that, Taylor? Remember yeah, that? that was a great. Trailer. They did a great mm-hmm. job. And to me, you know, I don't know why Roy Lee doesn't become the new Jason Blum and set up. Probably doesn't want the aggravation because that'd be a pain in the ass. But I mean, it's very exciting to see this happen. And I, I, I think that more filmmakers, you know, everybody don't look at Steven Spielberg as your model. Look at somebody like Zach Krieger mm-hmm. who starts small writes a great innovative script, leverages that script so he can direct, has a vision, produces it on time and on budget, delivers something that is exciting for everybody, becomes successful, and is rewarded for that. To me, it is the quintessential way, and you find a producer that believes in you. And this, to me, is exactly where people who want to become filmmakers, this is the people that you should look to. So this is the blueprint. And do you think this is going to be the blueprint for what we're looking for in at least a tour filmmakers well, moving forward? The problem is uh, the reason I don't want you to send me your scripts is for every hundred <laughs> ninety nine are, are are terrible. Not yours. Yeah, yours I'm sure is, yours is the one. Yours is perfect. Yeah. But, but, but that, the other ninety nine. The so problem is up your hopes. The, the problem is material. It's always been material. And not everyone can write. But I'll tell you, I I. Uh, I, I read a, a, another script recently. I can't say who or who or what it was from. No, did you? Huh? Uh, but it was. Uh, I have to say, it might have been tangentially related to somebody that we've been talking about. But man, was it good! And when you read a great script, everybody in Hollywood wants to read a great script. When you read a great script, how many times have I said it? Seven thousand eight hundred. Okay, good. Oh, it's a drinking no. game out there. You'll Everybody, die, guys. don't play it. It's like watching. It's like being at a casting session. Every actor that comes in, you want them to knock it out of the park. Anybody that reads a script you want it to be great you You do do. and when you find something that's truly great to get it made uh i can't wait i I just am excited that we're going to get a great movie that's all i want yeah more great movies more low budget horror that becomes theatrically viable we live in a great time if you're a horror fan between smile between barbarian between megan Mm -hmm. low budget horror is back baby and it's theatrically viable and that's what we want you know and i i have Absolutely made it clear on this show that I am not a a fan of horror, but it is really, really cool to watch these little engines that could, if you will, 
really, really thrive. They have these low budgets. They really do amazing stuff so often with practical effects, which is my favorite thing in the world. Yep. I mean, Taylor, do you think there's a reason why we all keep gravitating towards these kinds of horror movies? I feel like Rob, people like Rob and I have been from day one, and I'm so happy that it seems like now the mainstream audience is starting to see what's going on. Uh, another one, Terrifier 2, Super Again, ter- another great example yeah. of a little I- engine that could, mm-hmm. a, a crowdfunded film where they really deliver the goods. Yeah, every time I blink right now, I hear the word script. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm short-circuiting. I can't tell if you're saying it or not. Like, your mouth's not moving, but are you saying it still? But I am so proud of all the, you know, the small indie horror films. Uh, super proud of Roy Lee and Zach Krager, who, he's hilarious, by the way. Uh, my boyfriend David and I, we went to an advanced screening of Barbarian, and he did a Q&A after and I didn't know he came from a comedy background. Yeah, sketch comedy was, like Jordan Peele did. He was hilarious during that Q&A because one of the things that came up was someone asked him if he realized when he came up with the name Barbarian that it was an anagram for Airbnb. And if you've seen the film, you know that it takes place at an Airbnb. And he was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. But now I should start taking credit for it. So I just thought he was just a really funny guy. I'm really proud of them. And this is just great news for me. Well, it's great to hear like Jason Blum and James Wan who are teaming up to make, you know, Atomic Monster and Blumhouse Mm -hmm. coming together to make a new company. Because, I mean, you know, James Wan was a guy that had success, but he went back to his roots and he made the first Insidious for less than a million bucks, knocked it out of the park, you know. So and by the way, James Gunn is the Hitchcock of the jump scare. He is the modern master of the jump scare. And I can't wait. Please, James Wan. I mean, I love Malignant, but come on, I want to see some I want to see some more jump scares from you. And Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. That's what I want to see. That's the one I'm excited about. Can't wait. All right, but guys, what do you make out of this? Do you think that this is the blueprint that you should be following future filmmakers of the world? Are you excited about this? Do you think it's amazing that there was a bidding war for this indie horror kind of project or genre as a whole? Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. All right, y'all, now this brings us to our main topic. Not an indie little genre, not something that is tiny and lacking for funding. But as always... Big old superhero projects with people weighing in on them. And not favorably. And I I have to tell you, I was shocked by this. Yeah. Were you shocked by this? You know, I wasn't shocked given the full quote. I actually was like, this is quite reasonable. Let's read about this. This is Seth Rogen weighing in on Marvel movies. He was basically saying that he feels they're geared towards kids, not to him as an adult with no children, but also understands and respects Marvel in the space. So let me read this full quote. I think that Kevin Feige is a brilliant guy, and I think a lot of the filmmakers he's hired to make these movies are great filmmakers. But as someone who doesn't have children, it is all kind of geared towards kids, you know? There are times where I'll forget, I'll watch one of these things, and as an adult with no kids, and be like, oh, this just is not for me. Truthfully, without Marvel, the boys wouldn't exist or be interesting. I'm aware of that. I think it was only Marvel in the marketplace. It would be bad. But I think it isn't, clearly. An example I'm always quoting is there's a point in history where a bunch of filmmakers would be sitting around being like, do you think we'll ever make a movie that's not a Western again? Everything's a Western. Westerns dominate the fucking movies. If it doesn't have a hat and a gun and a carriage, people aren't going to go see it anymore. The situation, sadly, is that we have now have two separate fields. There's worldwide audiovisual entertainment and there's cinema. They still overlap from time to time, but that's becoming increasingly rare. And I fear that the financial dominance of one is being used to marginalize and even belittle the existence of the other. So that's our full statement here. Rob, how does that that make you feel? Well, first of all, you know, this is coming from the man who produced Preacher, the man who produced Invincible, the man who produced The Boys. And he's right in the sense that, that, like, 
One of the problems I think with American graphic literature is it has been relegated to the idea that it was all for kids. Whereas if you go to Europe and Asia, graphic storytelling is not that way. Like if you go to Japan, manga, you can find manga about a, a bus driver or a golfer or all kinds of things. So, so the graphic storytelling medium is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this country, the comic medium has been mostly thought of for children. Whether you're reading Archie comics, when I was a kid, there was Richie Rich, Jackie Jokers, and Little Dot, you know, which I love Richie Rich, to be honest. But the, the superhero genre, it wasn't really until you had indie comics and R. Crumb and people like that, and, and there was a lot of counterculture stuff in the 60s. But for the most part, the comic book industry has always been thought of as kids, for kids. And uh, what I find really interesting is the Western genre was a genre that was for everybody. Cops, lawyers, superheroes, I think, are just an extension of all. Go back to Gilgamesh. Go back to gladiators in the arena. Superheroes are just a different iteration of the heroes that we've had in literature since the dawn of time. The problem is American superheroes came out of comics that were, in fact, directed mostly toward kids, mm -hmm. younger audiences, until superheroes started to really the, uh, underwent a renaissance in the 80s when you had creators like Alan Moore coming in or Neil Gaiman or yeah. Howard Chaikin doing things like American Flag. And there was a lot of, you know, uh, Frank Miller brought in Elektra and Bullseye and killed Elektra in the pages of Daredevil and... And then went on into Dark Knight Returns. And then Alan Moore did Watchmen and Swamp Thing and V for Vendetta and all that stuff. But here's the thing. I don't think that what Marvel... I don't think Marvel's movies are directed for to kids. I think there are four quadrant films that are actually for family audiences. And I don't think that that stories that are directed to four quadrants and are directed to families... When you say they're just for kids, I think it belittles or, or diminishes their value because, you know, a movie like Civil War the, and the comics and in the movie especially, you have two men that have a philosophical difference. And, and this is something that I think that we need more of. I mean, kids, parents, you can go to a movie like Civil War and have discourse about this kind of a political divide. Like, should we have the Superhero Registration Act, which wink, wink, nudge, nudge is a loosely veiled, uh, not anagram, but what is, what I mean, you know, something that's metaphor. in the real world. Yeah, metaphor for whatever, call it what you want. <laughs> and you can have a debate, you can have an actual discussion about this, like lots of great fantasy literature, and you don't have to push people's political buttons directly, but you can have, the, you can go home and talk to your kids about, well, do you think Tony Stark was right, or do you think that, that, um, that uh, Steve Rogers mm -hmm. should have run? And, these are important things, and genre, great genre cinema has always been for everybody. Now, the funny thing to me about what what's, uh, Seth Rogen is doing, and doing it brilliantly, is their work is not for kids. There is no family component for it. There is no – I can't tell my mom to watch The Boys. Yeah. My mom would be like, somebody crawled inside the head of a penis <laughs> and then blew it up. What are you telling me to watch? They sure did, Mom. I'm, I'm like I'm – like, I mean, my mom would, would be appalled at something like that, but she'd love to see Civil War. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think what Seth Rogen was saying, the real takeaway, the real point that I think is important is he's saying that one is overshadowing the other. Mm -hmm. And that has to do more with profit. I mean, everyone gets mad at people that make money, that become successful, as if suddenly 
they're successful and then until they like it and then when they get tired of it it's like oh let's poo poo the success that this company has which i've i've never understood that but i get why it happens it's not like suddenly marvel's phoning it in even though you might not like phase 4 they're still taking they're taking shots, man. They're mm-hmm. they're they're reaching, and I love the fact that Eternals is finding more of an audience on Disney Plus than it found in the theaters. Anyway, I'm rambling. I don't even know what no, I'm saying. At no this worries. Point. No, they're all wonderful points. You're perfect, Rob. Well, and I, as as an adult who also has no children and is like Seth, consciously decided to not have children. I do disagree, but it's a personal taste thing, right? Of I think Marvel movies are made for me. I also love these comics very much. I also love animation, which I'm sure a lot of people are like, Owl House is just for kids. And I'm like, but I really like that show and it's really fun for me to watch. It all comes down to personal taste. And what I at least (coughs) really appreciate in this soundbite, as opposed to others we've heard in the past that really belittle the genre or try to talk about how it's, you know, a cheap thrills thing or it's not innovative storytelling or it's not creative. I do appreciate that he sees the value in it. And this is a personal taste thing. At the end of this, the idea, too, of just the financial dominance, I think, is a very truthful statement. You know, a lot of indie films, auteur films do get overshadowed because at the end of the day, this is a entertainment industry. We look at the, the dollar signs at the end of this. I could have the greatest, most beautiful, lovely story, but I'm a little nobody. And if I try to sell it, it better be really, really great. And a lot of people still aren't going to know about it. It could be one of the most wonderful scripts ever written. But is it going to have the audience that people want? To, well, like, all you need see, is to you get know? your famous friends to talk about it. And suddenly you'll get an Academy Award oh my nomination. Gosh, there we go. That's all I have to do. But I, I do appreciate, though, at least that this is one of the few times we haven't had these kinds of movies are trash or this is this. Uh, I will take the the statement that what is cinema and what isn't. That, again, is so subjective because I'm sure there's people out there who are like, well, Seth, the boys isn't cinema. Friggin love that show. I think it's amazing. I, I got to watch it early and I have been hooked ever since. I think it takes the source material and really, really elevates it. But again, is that something that other people will maybe say, oh, you know, there's so many other better stories on television that, right now than dudes doing cocaine and crawling up each other's penises, which is a great little snippet out of context of being like, what is this show about? But fun. It's so fun. It's but, so fun. But I would also say, look, I think that our entire civilization from political discourse all, all the way on down has become much more infantilized than it was when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would like to see people... Look, if you love superhero movies, science fiction, fantasy, horror, genre cinema, which I love, but growing up, I also loved other cinema. I loved a lot. Of, I like watching the films of Truffaut or Kurosawa. You know, I liked watching um, Italian neorealist films or or watching ma- uh, movies written by Patty Chayefsky, like The Hospital or Network or something like that. I do think that people owe it to themselves to broaden their horizons and broaden their tastes because you never know what you're going to discover. You know about yourself. You know you're gonna see. You might you might see a, a a foreign film that's in a different language than your than you speak, and it might touch you in ways you were never expecting. Because international perspective, you know, every culture has a different perspective on certain things. Even even daily life, you know, and you might not unless you experience it. You might not know that. And I think that there's so much out there, and we have so much. So many more ways to see things than we've ever had before to reach out, branch out, and see other things. So. Mm-hmm. From that end, I appreciate what Seth Rogen is saying. Yeah. But the thing is, it's it comes down to economics, and people aren't going to see. Look what, whether it was she said, whether it was the Fablemans, whether it was Tar, whether it was women talking, whether it was Babylon. No one went to see these movies, and the question is, well, why? 
you know, there's a number of reasons, but they didn't go and the studios can't sit there and go, well, we're going to, we're going to, because we're, we're, we're a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. We're going to make films that are important. <laughs> Sorry. That's not how it works. Yeah. It's show business, not show nonprofit. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering, too, if some of these other kind of, you know, awards darling films can figure out kind of what that magic formula is that, you know, Blumhouse has really struck like we were just talking about, too. These are tiny little engine that's could, engines that could that we keep talking about. Right. So is that just because the genre there, the horror, the excitement gets people to go see those and maybe something that is a harder look at the realism of life is more difficult to get an audience to go to willingly? Well, I, you look, I would say, and I made the point a couple weeks ago about that the Oscar-nominated movies that used to come from studios were also the most popular. Yes. But, and, and somebody actually sent me, a, made a chart and showed that it actually it was the 90s. Uh, this surprised me. More so than the 80s, according to this chart, in the 90s, more box office champs were also the Oscar nominees and Oscar winners than ever before. And that has dwindled over the last 30 years. But if you look at something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, that's a movie that was both, it, it, it appealed to genre audiences, but yep. at the same time had a lot to say about life in general. It became the most successful A24 film in history worldwide, mm -hmm. making over $100 million. And it was more along the lines of, it was wildly entertaining. So I think the studios can't make those movies anymore because they don't have they don't make economic sense. Yeah. So hopefully that will change. I really do hope it changes. I hope we have room for all of these kinds of films because sometimes you need to take a hard look at something and sometimes you do need something that's more of an allegorical take at things. Yeah. You know, to your point of being able to sit down with a kid through an X-Men film and talk about, you know, hey, this is a movie about marginalized people. Let's Look, use this as an example to explore that topic with you in a very digestible way. And then we can take some other thing that is not as easily digestible for a small child, but maybe hits a little harder for a grown adult or another person who needs to hear that story told in a different kind of matter. That's the really great thing about different types of genres is a lot of it is the same storytelling. It's the same message. It's just a different delivery system. Yes. And you, the consumer, get to decide what's most palpable for you. I just hope that we get that a wider array stated, of things. Chris. Thank you. That was stated. Thanks so much. Well, guys, let us know what you think about Seth Rogen's comments here in the uh, uh, in the comments down below. I got all flustered. I was like, comments and comments. Um, let us know what you think. Now, folks, we are going to get into your live questions, but before we do that, we are going to take another quick ad break to thank the good people over at Mint Mobile and Fume. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Fume. Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit. Put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard a hundred times, and yet we still continue to have bad habits. Today's sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. You see, Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits. Because instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. And Fume's new version 2 model is snappy and tactile. With an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap, your fingers will always have something to do. The device itself is really attractive, and once I popped in the core and took my first inhale of it, it tasted fantastic. Guys, the easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed to perfectly do just that. So head over to tryfume.com 
Journeypack.com and use the promo code CAMPIA to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com and use the code CAMPIA to save an additional 10% off your order today. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save money this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, I have told you before that when I was on one of the major phone carriers, I was spending literally three times as much every month and switching to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier. So for people just looking to save some extra money this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in just minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you once again to the folks over at Fume and Mint Mobile for making this episode of the John Campia Show possible. All right, you guys, we are going to jump into these super chats. So Taylor, what do we have? All right. First up, we have uh, was it King Tanix sent in a super chat just to be supportive? Thank you so much. Thank we you. Have Christian Roher, who says, What do you get when you mix Hagrid and Harry? Oh no. A much hairier Potter. Hee <laughs> hee. I don't know about that one, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I Thank you for your support, but. Yeah. I didn't say it. I mean, I said it, but I didn't come up with it. <laughs> Dumbledore says, Riverdale weren't bringing in the cash for the CW, but they were bringing in Jingle Jangle. Oh, Archie's yeah. abs. Oh, yeah. And the epic highs and lows of high school football. <laughs> I love that epic highs and lows of football. It's such a horrible, horrible moment. Someone's talking about having been in prison and Archie's response is, so you haven't gotten to experience the amazing highs and lows of <laughs> high school football. Like, No, dude, he's been in jail. And also Jingle Jangle as the name of the drug that comes in like a pixie stick form. Oh, mwah. so good. Jingle Jangle. <laughs> What else we got? All right. Well, I moved seats really quickly uh, for Daniel Savio. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Hi, John. Uh, sorry, John's not here today. Bob Iger has been back for a while. Why haven't we heard anything about Kevin Feige getting the reins back? What's the holdup? Mm. Uh, I don't think that's something that would be announced. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of internal policy. I I, I would just assume that's something that, that is happening. I mean, you know, the... the, the uh, uh, it's just there's not going to be a story. Well, Bob Iger says Kevin Feige gets more power back within the. Yeah. That's an internal matter. I don't think we're ever going to get a story that states that in any so. way, shape, or form. All right. Next up, we have Jai CSC. How's it going, Barbarian? The worst Beach Boys documentary ever. <laughs> what? Well, Wait, I think what? I figured it out. Is this is this a play on Barbara Ann Barbarian? Yeah. Beach Boys. Barbara Barbarian. I don't know. Probably right. Good one. I think so. All right. King Tannic sends in it. Wow. A $50 super oh chat. Oh, my God. So now, King let Tannic. me just point out King Tannic is actually named Israel. 
And he just started a new show on our channel, my channel, the Burnett Work, mm -hmm. called The Otaku Experience. Oh, nice. And if you're an anime fan, go over to The Burnett Work and find out the first, find the first episode. It's all about, well, it's about many different things, but he, he, the main story is about One Piece dropping a poster. Ooh. And are we going to get a trailer for the live action One Piece? But thank you for that $50 of support. That's so sweet my of God. you. Oh, my gosh. But now King Tannic yeah, has something important. Let's see this question. By the way, it's, Titanic is his favorite movie in real life. Oh, so, so that's that's why he's definitely his, tuning into that National well, Geographic. Yeah, you got to read, read his <laughs> comment. Well, thank you for the $50 super chat. And also congratulations on the launch of your show. That's so exciting. Uh, so King Tannic goes on to say Jack died for a few reasons. One, he and Rose were disoriented and freezing cold with only minutes to make a decision. Two, the door could have fit both of them, but would it float? I don't think so. And three, Jack dies because his part in the story is over. Favorite film, by the way. I think we're going to let James Cameron be the final arbiter of whether this is true or not. Should we? I think so. I think he makes very, I think, I think King Tannic makes salient points. Those are great points, points though. But yeah. I, I really want to go back and watch the Mythbusters special, and then I want to watch the National Geographic one. I'll probably watch Titanic before I do either of those. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a real long day in the Carpete's household. It's true. Yeah. It's true. There was room. So anyways, our next super <laughs> chat comes to us from... Yes. Right, okay. It comes from Dumbledore. Hello. Uh, for Paradise Lost, James Gunn should make Rob's dreams come true and cast every Amazon with a redhead. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I, I would think no, nobody wants a homogenized group of people. I think I think the spice of life is especially on an island of all women. You want to see every shape, size, color, creed, all the colors of the rainbow you want to see on that island, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. The I want to see everybody in a multitude of different forms, because to me, that's a smorgasbord. Maybe I would love are. to see Aaron cast on that show. I oh think my gosh, Aaron would be great. perfect on that Aaron show. Be, she would be great. She on that would be show. awesome. Aaron is an Amazon. She's amazing. She could play a younger Connie Nielsen. <gasps> oh, that'd be so good. You know, come oh on. Oh my gosh, be wonderful. All right, next up we have Thomas BDL. How's it going? Hi team, so happy to see Bam is gaining traction. Uh, Fam. Hmm. Are you still considering an after show for season four? Chris, will you be joining us? Oh, this, for all oh, mankind. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yes. On this space odyssey. I do. This is the next show I need to binge. I really, really need to watch this. So it's very new year, new me in the actor world. And so I'm getting a lot of clients and demos and things, which is awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. But I am very behind on things that I want to watch as opposed to the things that I am watching to keep up for this show or to keep up for pilot season and stuff. Mm. But I'm really hyped because you guys have said just wonderful, glowing things about this show. And I love space. I worked for NASA. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, look, even if Ray, Jonathan, and I do a For All Mankind after show and we're the only people that watch it, like the three of us go home and It'd go, look at the show we did today. We're still doing it. <laughs> we're doing it For All Mankind after show. I love it. So there you go. It'll be us plus Thomas watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Taki75 sends in a super chat and says, I still like Black Panther 2 more than the first one. Namor's origin story is one of the best in the MCU, period. I like. I mean, it. it's really well done. I thought so yeah. too. And it reaches for the stars. Mm -hmm. As Casey Kasem used to say. Reach for yeah, the stars. I was going to say, ground, God, you in the voice Keep now. reaching Reach for the stars. Has anyone had a chance to check out the making of, you know how on Disney Plus they do like a behind the scenes of how they made the MCU movies? I yeah. think it drops the same day it drops the film on Disney Plus. I haven't seen it yet, but I I'm watched curious. a deleted scene today with Okoye talking to her, I don't know if it's her husband or not, and 
talking about he's telling her you should take over as black panther it was awesome i like i'm like i want to watch an extended maybe i'll just make my own extended cut of wakanda <laughs> forever and put all the deleted scenes back in the movie oh i love that i can write a script for that <laughs> perfect send it to him he'd love that no i wouldn't <laughs> all right let's see we have thomas bdl who says, also, we need a spinoff show about, young, oh no, Young Rob's adventures. I'll play Young Rob. Make it an anthology series and call it Varied Similitudes. Have a great weekend, team. That's actually a, a great idea. Nobody would believe it. They wouldn't believe it. It would just seem like I'd, I'd be a b- great big braggadocio. But I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Scoochies would definitely be... Scoochies, hey, man. It would be so fun to recreate. I have a story about a girl I met that was going into the military. No, I know the, the story. Day. We can't tell that one here, though. I can't tell that story. Yeah. I guess I can't. I know that's true, though. After show. All right. Uh, David Koka sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you so much. What are your thoughts on the Squid Game reality show and the details coming out about how the freezing temperatures and inhuman conditions on set of the contestants? <laughs> They're still alive, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it's a Squid Game reality well, show, and they're what? complaining about the conditions. I, who was our? We had, I think, two people who watched the show, people right. who were in our community, who were at like the the final stages mm-hmm. of deciding if they were going to be contestants or not. So I really, if you guys could reach out to us, I don't know. I want to hear from you guys about it. I mean, I read this that. is fascinating. Going into it, it was like, how do you do this show? Because it's about murder. Like, I was disappointed. Killed. People get through the. They survive. I was hoping that, you know, do it like a real squid game. You can't do like a snuffy reality show. That's not a waiver. I I allow you to kill me. (laughs) Oof, 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 oof. But I love it. People sign up for a squid game show. It's too cold. It's too cold and I'm uncomfortable. Clearly they haven't worked with uh, James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Get in here. See me. See if you float on this, this, this piece of wood. Big Hookie says, what do you think about Michael Keaton playing an older Batman in Brave and the Bold? I love that. I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't think because, they'll do it because yeah. he's, he's a little old to have Damien as a son. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Chaplin had kids when he was 80, so plus, all things are possible. But I don't think that would be the vibe here. Plus, it's the Batman Beyond crew. We want him for to be Bruce Wayne exactly. and the Batman Beyond Elseworlds. Batman, the Batman Beyond Give comic series that, that we want adapted that's running now. I want Neo Year. I want that. He can be in that. That'll be great. <laughs> Batman Beyond Neo Year. Get on that, James Gunn. Yes, please. Come on. We'd like you forever All and love right. you for always. As long as you're living, your ba- our baby will be. Do it. Next up, we have Joey Baboe. Oh, wait. That- sorry. Be- wait. Do we do? Oh, yeah. We, we did, did that cookie, yeah, yes. Uh, can't find <laughs> Rob's address. <laughs> so decided to send the first of my scripts via Super Chat in 1,072 installments. Part one. Yes. <laughs> I can't. This is too good. Um, interior. Interior. Thank you. Olga. Oh, no. Olga's Cottage Night. NC-17. This is great. Joy Babooey, bring it on. As long as you're going to do it in super chat form, I'm all for it. Yeah. That way, Taylor or someone else can read it other than I. Well, it, yeah, and it's the perfect length for Ray to keep up. Like It's like you know the minute long. Yeah. You know, it keeps his attention. Is so Olga redhead? I, hope, I can't I wait to read the really scene description the of, of her. This is so good. All right, Jai says, have you been watching season six of My Hero Academia? This season has been tremendous with storytelling, action, and great emotional beats. I am so far behind on this show. I'm so far behind, and I really enjoy it. It's good. I really like it. I think it's so fun, and everyone's quirks are so cool. It's a really great superhero show. I I think I'm still on season, like, two or three. I'm so far behind. It's true. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Marco points out in the live chat that NC-17 means they show butt crack. <laughs> Remember yesterday, Aaron was saying, okay. Anyways, <laughs> Suthia says, Ariel, look at this. Oh, I almost sang it. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Also, Mr. B, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's <laughs> complete? <laughs> now, Mr. B, please sing that in your Hall of Family voice. <gasps> <laughs> wow! I don't know if I know the tune. Look at this a Little stuff. Mermaid. Isn't it neat? I know. Wouldn't you I, think I, my I, collection's complete? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd have to see the lyrics again. Yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? <laughs> my collection can be found in the Hall of Family. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth the price of admission right there. Do you like that? Oh, yeah. oh my God. I love that I had to be on camera for that. All right. <clears throat> Sam Fisher says, anime right. recommendation. Bye-bye. Um, Bachi, The Rock, about a socially awkward girl who learns the guitar to join a band and then gets that opportunity. The music is fantastic. Hmm. Ooh, fun. That sounds good. I would check that out. I'd watch that. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to compose myself. Coriar says, have either of you read the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow? I read it after the movie announcement, and it is so dark. Also, Supergirl is badass in this. That's what I keep hearing. I've heard it's more about... up. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll get it then. Yeah. I was thinking we should, it would be a good issue. That'll be... We, we should, should do that next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... it's <laughs> what I've only read, like, bits and pieces of it, and because with the announcement, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember the art from that being, like, really, really intense. And, uh, whoo. Ooh. I wonder if it's in hardcover form. Probably. I'll get that. Yeah. I'll look I'll look on the break for you, Rob. Thanks. No Rob. Thank you. Did you guys see on Amazon that several of the issues of the DC slate they're they're sold out now on Amazon? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. Crazy. And right. Booster Gold number one went up a thousand dollars if you got one slabbed. Damn. I'm gonna get mine oh, slabbed. Oh, slab dragon is just like yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Get it, TJ? Yeah, I feel like you could have seen some of those coming. Yeah. You know? Yep. All right. Ty Burton says the funniest thing about Zach Krager thing for me is how Jordan Peele fired his management team after not getting the deal. That same management team also reps Krager. Is that true? That is true. That was part of the so what what happened was Jordan Peele his and people in Hollywood have a team. They've got lawyers, agents, managers. That's their team that represents them. And you can have both an agent and a manager, yep. but then you're paying them both. Mm -hmm. A management team, and there's rules governing what they can and can't do for you. Like, I think it's managers can't solicit work, but agents can or something like that. That would make sense. But anyway, that that you know, the management team that managed Jordan Peele also managed managed Zach Krieger, and Jordan Peele thought he could make a deal and get involved as a producer, and couldn't. And you know, he was outbid by a studio. Mm -hmm. I mean, it ain't show friends, but he did fire his management team. He got rid of them after that. The way it's always been pitched to me is a manager cares about your overall like career as a whole. Yep. Your agent's that bloodhound who's getting you those gigs. Because my manager. Who I'm no longer with would before try to pivot me for certain kinds of work or do a, I don't think this is the kind of stuff we want to do anymore. I think we want to get away from this. Whereas my agent would be like, but I want money. Right. Go get Chris money. Yes. Um, and usually they all get 10% of what you do too. Just so everyone knows. And then your lawyer. Uh, your lawyer, publicist. If you have multiple types of agents, because usually theatrical, commercial, voiceover, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people only get like 40 cents on the dollar because they have to pay out. Yep. It ain't show friends.
All right. Taki75 says the newest rumor about F4 is that Feige wants a multiracial cast and Deb Patel is serious is a serious contender for Reed Richards. I think Deb would be fun. I love him. He's a great actor. He's a great actor. He's so phenomenal. I really, really enjoy him. The the only thing I haven't liked him in was the the live action avatar. That wasn't his fault. Well, and also if if you have a modern, if you don't have the Fantastic Four stuck in the quantum realm and you have a modern Reed Richards, there's no reason. I I mean, I could absolutely see somebody of East Indian descent playing Reed Richards. That would make perfect sense. That could be very cool. I think it'd be very, very fun. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Raymond Verrata. Just watched Knock at the Cabin, one of the better M. Night Shyamalan movies. I loved analyzing the story and filmmaking choices. Dave Bautista was great. If only yeah. somebody had seen that film. If yeah. only somebody And saw somebody it. has. And what there's you a think? review online. Where can yeah. people find that review, Taylor? Oh, I thank you, Chris. I went and saw Knock at the Cabin last night, and I put up my Taylor's Take. That's what I call my reviews on my YouTube channel, which you can find at Fifty Shades of Tay. Uh, it was a lot of fun. For the film, uh, I was really enjoying like the first three quarters of it. And I thought my, my favorite part, I saw it in Dolby. My favorite part was the sound design. Like you could hear the rustling of the leaves. You could hear like the crunching of the twigs. I know that's like really weird. But as they were approaching the cabin, I'm not going to get into any spoilers. Uh, don't worry, I will spoiler pig myself. <laughs> but the ending for me did not work. And I know that it's been changed from the book. I have the book. I'm going to start reading the book this weekend. I feel like I've said book as many times as you said script. Send in your books. Don't send me. <laughs> don't send me your books. But um, I, I just wonder if they had stuck to the original ending, whatever that was. If I would have liked it better. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I would say I would recommend <laughs> it. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing it. There was a really great clip I watched on Twitter this morning with an interview with M Night Shyamalan. And talking about how people now really seem to appreciate The Village, whereas when it came out, it did not do well. But now people like are getting quotes tattooed on them. And that's the movie they'll usually come up and talk to him about. Wow. And he was saying how the the twist aspect of his career and also starting off strong in horror is kind of this thing that really set him up to not succeed in terms of people's expectations. Um so I'm interested to see how this movie because I really like his work, but it was talking about how like sometimes it, it's like a savory or sweet quota, right? Was this supposed to be the scariest thing you were going to see? Well, if it wasn't meant to be that and it didn't live up to that expectation, you're not going to enjoy this. Yeah. But were you here willing to see a film, a drama, a family, these things, then it'll meet your expectations. It just depends on the preconceived notions you have coming in. And I thought that was a really cool look at his particular oeuvre just because we all associate him with the twist and with, you know, oh, something spooky's going to happen. But I'm interested to see this one, though, Taylor, if you're willing to see it again. Yeah, I'll since see it I'm again. bad at scary stuff. I, I don't think there's anything in this film that you wouldn't be able to handle. There's no eye violence. Sweet. Um, Thank you. It doesn't really show a lot of the gore either. Okay. It like cuts away. But one thing I did like about it was the use of close-ups. I thought it was really interesting that a lot of it is just like the actor's face. So you really get like great performances from Dave Batista. The the little girl who plays Wen, the daughter, she was incredible in this movie. She was so good. She keeps popping up in interviews on my Instagram and I love her. Yeah. She's so precious. Oh, she seems oh. very sweet. So I, I, I thought she did great. Yeah. Head over oh, yeah, to Fifty me. Shades of Tay for that uh, that review, y'all. Oh, thanks. What else we got? All right. Next up is CJ Rebirth. How's it going, CJ? As a VA fan, I love the ones uh, I knew, like Charlie Adler, uh, Tom Kenny, and Jess Harnell were in Transformers 07 and Revenge of the Fallen, ignoring three films three through five. Oh, yeah. 
They use a lot of voice actors in in the Transformers films. Yeah, well, and they can they can do that because of the rich voice acting history of the animated series. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, come on, Orson Welles mm-hmm. as Unicron. Yeah, uh, F. Murray Abram was was a voice in there as well, right? He was incredible. I mean, a lot of those voices too. I, I know we have some celebrities who are supposed to be in these next few Transformers films, and sometimes these on-camera celebrities do a great job, other times not so much. But the uh, the range that a lot of these voice actors can get. I mean, Tom Kenny does tons and tons of stuff to get his voice to a place where it needs to be. I mean, from actual physical placement in his face to doing the little hit on his throat for his SpongeBob laugh and stuff. So they really know how to use those instruments and get the most interesting sound before it even gets through some post-production kind of filter. Which All is good. Right. And Next. people can learn how to do that at your studio. Yeah. Speakfriendstudio.com. <laughs> yeah. Seconds, <laughs> seconds from Disaster says Nick Offerman said on Jimmy Kimmel that he didn't even read the script for The Last of Us script. His wife read it and told him he needed to take the role. Uh, good on Megan Mullally. Uh, that's She's what wonderful. I watched him on that show and he says, he walks out and he goes, and he looked great. He's like, my wife does everything. She picked this ensemble out. I, I listened to her, and he said he didn't read it, and that she had read it, and she's like, "Oh, you, she, the way he put it, she said, oh, you're going to Calgary.' You know, you're going." Yeah. And uh, then he just went up. Oh, I mean, th- if you if you are not following him on social media, I highly recommend it too. He and Megan Mullally are just relationship goals. I love everything about them. Yep. His comedy specials are really, really great too. I mean, oh, they're wonderful. His book is great. All things Nick Offerman does. Go Nick wonderful. Offerman. Meg Mullally is great, too. She's wonderful. Next up is Anthony C. Today is my birthday. Happy birthday, happy Anthony. Birthday. Oh, thanks for spending it with us. Rob, can I send you my script? Yes. <gasps> oh, my God. Happy birthday. No. You would not. His birthday wish <laughs> is to have you read his script. And you would deny. You would deny I Anthony know, C. Would, that yeah, birthday wow. joy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I would. Fair. Fair. Yes, I would. Looking up how to make a P.O. box for someone else. (laughs) These are the two things I need to do. I need to make Rob a P.O. box for his scripts, and I need to make Ray a Tinder account. So I'll get right on that. Um, Actually, if we can combine those two things, there could really be something. (laughs) I'll get right on it. All right. uh, Ergor. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Giorgio. Giorgio, yeah. That sounds better. Uh, How mad are you that Batman Beyond isn't announced yet? You can't rush excellence, baby. Uh, All good things come to those who wait. All right? It's going to be there. It's going to happen. We got to establish some things, and then I'm going to get my Terry McGinnis movie. I'm going to get it. I will get this. (laughs) (laughs) Elseworlds, man. Yeah. That's where it's going to pop up. I think so, too. It's going to happen. Mike Dude says Stephen Amell said he'd be open to playing Green Arrow in the DCU. Would you prefer him playing Green Arrow or a new actor? I love the idea of him being like, I'd be open to reprising my role in film. Yeah. No, I I would love to see a classic Oliver Queen with the beard and the stash. I want to see. I would love them to go, not just because I grew up in Seattle. I would love them to see, go back to that Mike Rell run and do like the Longbow Hunters. They kind of did it. A little bit. Sort of, but not like do it for real. Yeah. I mean, I love Green Arrow. Well, I, I think, too, if we're already switching out the people who have been on screen 
for the films. I don't see us going back to the the Arrowverse and no. pulling from there. Those actors could pop up in different roles, but I don't see you know him coming back and be Ollie again. No, that just doesn't seem feasible or or on the track that they seem to be going with. It's all fresh. It's true. All right. D Murdoch says, shout out to the BBC. What up? <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Great time with y'all. But someone in the chat needs to be booted. Oh, uh -oh. don't worry, D Murdoch. I did that already. What did they do? I don't know. Where did they go? To the cornfield. To chat right? jail. Like in that Twilight Zone episode. You're a bad man. You're a very <gasps> oh, bad man. Oh, my gosh. Man. That little kid is terrifying. Billy Moomy. Yep. You're bad and I don't like you. And that's me in this chat. I'm that kid from Twilight Zone. You send him to the cornfield. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. David Veal Jr. says, do you think James Gunn is using the authority as a threat in chapter causing Superman to form Justice League? Uh, very possibly. I mean, I, I, they're going to have to introduce all the characters for Justice League first, I would imagine. We're going to get Batman. We're going to get Superman. We've got the lan lanterns. Mm hmm um, but I do think that the authority are being set up as the people that are already in charge, maybe. But yeah. I think that they're going to be foils. Same with the creature commandos. I love the fact that I don't know if it's going to be a period piece, but can you imagine the creature commandos monsters are the people that have been fighting for the side mm. of good? You know, where's that going to go? I love that. I do, too. I feel like it's all because you talked about this on Weekly Hero. It feels like it's going to be a build up to some form of kingdom come, mm -hmm. essentially. And the authority is going to be positioned to give us that when you go too far, when you cross a line, when yep. you don't have that morality code, what happens and how do the other heroes have to involve themselves and deal with that? Indeed. All right. The OK Channel. If you hear the quote, what is grief except love persevering and think this is stuff made just for kids. Respect to Seth. But wow. That's it. I mean, there's definitely moments that are, are really, really beautiful and heartbreaking. But again, it is personal taste. I just I don't share that taste personally. Right. I, I mean, it, it also depends on. Look, there are people I, 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 as a fan of science fiction, fantasy, horror genre stuff. I've met people my whole life that they just they can't. They're not that imaginative. They're much more pragmatic, like my own mom. It's weird that she raised me, but she was always supportive of my interests. But my mother, flights of fancy were something that never really vibed with her because she was such a pragmatic person. Mm -hmm. So she didn't grow up with uh, uh, the kind of imagination she instilled in me or allowed me to or allowed to flourish. So, you know, people are different in that way. Not everybody. People look at comic books and like, aren't those for kids? They don't see the value. They, they might never see the value in those things. But that doesn't mean they're wrong. They're just different kinds of people. They're wrong, but they're different kinds of people. Next up, we have Victor Rodriguez. Saw John Wick 1 and 2, need to see Chapter 3 still. How good do you think Chapter 4 will do in the box office? Thank you, and bring on the filthy. I think it's going to probably do really, really well, so long as it is a great script and all the action yeah. sequences are fun. Well, John Wick was a, you know, it was a smaller movie when it was made. It became a hit, and it's a franchise that people really love, and I think it's only grown in popularity since then. I think it's going to be the highest grossing film of all, If again, if it's good. The brief look at it we've already had, it looks tremendous. It comes out next month. Where's the new John Wick 4 trailer? Yeah. I want to see people getting shot in the head. He he, Go for that headshot, John. I'm really excited to just do a John Wick day, too, and like prep for it. It's going to be so fun because all of those are streaming now. Logan and I are super, super excited. <laughs> Love him. 
I, do I have too. to look away at parts, but I still really like him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Calvin Patel. Early season two renewals for 1923 and that 90s show. Oh, Rob, congratulations. Oh. <laughs> no, I look, okay, it's fine. But it's funny because 1923 was always announced as a two-season show. That's how it was built when it was first made. So it did, doesn't surprise me it got picked up. But I'm glad, look, I'm glad that 90s show got picked up. It's always good <laughs> when people are working. I did read a story about how Mila Kunis told Ashton Kutcher yep. that we are, it doesn't matter if the script's any good, you're doing the show because it made our whole careers. I like that. Way to put your foot down there, yeah. Mila. By the way, Jupiter Ascending. Love <laughs> that shit. Oh, man. Even you sometimes can have weird taste. I'm it's, I'm glad that you like that movie. It's a Disney Princess movie, you. but made at I Warner Brothers. I understand your argument. By the Wachowskis. Yeah. It's great. It doesn't do it for me. I do. I do. It is one of those Tombstone movies, though, that like Logan and I will watch. Like, we should just eat some like shitty pizza and watch Jupiter That's right. today. Because it's great. It's pretty. Come it's on. It's very pretty. I'll give it that. Yeah. Eddie Raymond, though, in that movie. Woof. <laughs> Dr. Stinky. Hey, y'all. Ant-Man is in two weeks. I get to see it a day early. What's your ex- excitement level? Mine is like 15,000. LOL. I'm so excited for this movie. Bring on the filthy. I'm you know what? about it. 15,000 is like 3,000 like 3, times five. five. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited 3, for it. No, I'm excited. I really it, look. Every time I see more, they've shown us so little of the movie, but it was really interesting seeing there. I saw a clip today. Um, from the movie where they're riding in the car and Hope and, and Scott and then Cassie's in the back seat and then eventually the book on tape comes on and it's Scott, Scott Lang is listening to his own <laughs> book on tape. It was pretty funny. I'm like, that's funny. Well, and he has a, a full book out that you can I, just, like, yeah, I, I, we I love get it. it now. It's great. All right, Mike, dude, a new rumor going around is that Avengers Secret Wars could possibly be split into two parts, making King Dynasty and Secret Wars Part 1 and 2 a trilogy. Thoughts? Uh, I'll watch it. I can't yeah. wait. But yeah. who are the Avengers? Yeah. Who's on the lunchbox? <laughs> yeah, who is Tell on the lunchbox? Tell me who's box. on the lunchbox. I need to know. Who's funding them? Yeah. Is there a headquarters? Do they have Quinjets? I need to know these things. And why is that celestial in the ocean? I know. I was just going to say it. And I, I locked like, eyes with you. <laughs> I was like trying not to do it. But Rob, are you okay? The celestial in the ocean? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I just wish somebody would talk about it, do something, maybe go take a visit. Thor, maybe checking it out. Like, this is a celestial. Anybody, yeah. like you think someone. that all the world governments, I mean, maybe we'll see it later, but it's certainly been a long period of time. What if that's the introduction to Reed Richards? Is he's like, does anyone want to talk about this? this? And don't just tell me, well, you know, there's a shot in She-Hulk where it's on like a webpage. That is not what I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, this is a significant event in the history of humanity. There's a giant alien entity sticking out of the ocean. And the last we ever heard of it was how many movies ago? Several. Uh, yeah. What's Here's, next on, Rob. Here's my theory, though. I think all these movies are taking place in a different universe. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Ooh. We should have a script writing contest and have people send in their scripts of what they think is going on with that celestial. I love it. Casey McGrew is up next. Hey, guys, just wanted to let Rob know that I started my Star Trek journey and I'm on season one, episode five, The Naked Time. I can't believe I miss out on this classic series. Well, KJ McGrew, the great thing about the modern age is you no longer have to miss out. And all I can say to you is uh, for Naked Time, no beach to walk on. 
I don't know what that All means. Right. But well, you're, he's going to find out. Ooh. Ooh. Mick Lebowski, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Infinity Pool? It was amazing and a complete trip. Papa Cronenberg would be proud. That's all you, babe. Uh, you know what? I have not seen. I, I was going to go see Qua, uh, the the Wandering Earth 2 and Infinity Pool this weekend. I'm doing it. Oh, okay. I didn't see Wandering Earth 2 or Infinity Pool. Because, uh, part of the reason is it's only the R-rated version, and I don't want to see. It's like Possessor. Uh, I got the NC-17 version or the unrated version on disc, and I might wait to see Infinity Pool till I can watch the NC-17 version on home video. I don't like to see r-rated films but i'm a huge look this is this is brandon cronenberg's third film after anti-viral then he made possessor with andrea riceborough who stars in possessor and she was great and now infinity pool here's my thing about brandon cronenberg i like his filmmaking but i think his ideas sometimes are a little too intellectual and not they don't quite work cinematically enough but I do like his films. They're certainly provocative. And I can't wait to see Infinity Pool. I'm excited for you. Do we get uh do we get Ryan Markley's? We no. That? That's oh, okay. So the Ryan Markley says, Me love you long time. <laughs> One can okay, only Ryan. hope. <laughs> All right. Dr. Stinky, a new Ant Man trailer came out. It looks amazing. Is that the one you were talking about, Rob, with the, the car? Uh I it was a TV spot I looked at. The other the car one was just a it was just a clip. It was a clip from the film. Clip rhymes with script. <laughs> what else, Taylor? <laughs> All right. Uh, Bright says, Chris. <laughs> Chris. There it is. I want to make shirts. I always do it with a whole bunch of E's, though. Yeah, it's got to be cre- Chris. With like four E's. The only yeah. person. It's, it's, uh, Ray Aura right. has the no, definitive. No, come on. A little lisp at the end. That's come on, Ray. Chris. Say it. Chris. That's it. That's it. There you go. That's how you say it. How is that spelled? I usually spell it because I always text it to you. So it's yeah. K R. I don't know if I do a bunch of I's or a bunch of E's. It's, it's E's. usually E's. E S E. Yeah. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Hey, Chris. That's it right there. That was the definitive version right there, by the way. Logan keeps texting me, no beach to walk on in all caps. I just need you to know that. You saying it louder doesn't make me know what it is. He's like, it's a Kirk line. He said that? Yeah. Oh, I love your husband. I know. I, like I, know. I mean, you I guys both have love him and I hate him. I'd like okay. to point out that's He's a lucky the official man, that accent guy. of Minority Island. Cree. Yeah. Cree. Oh, by the way, yesterday when you said, what was it, Kapla? Yep. Laura texted me. She goes, I used to say that when I was a kid. I loved that. And I, I would always confu- confuse everybody because they didn't know what it was from. She forgot it until you said it. Aw. <laughs> All right. Um, hello, Logan, by the way. How's it going? All right. Uh, <laughs> Su- Did you just uh, deep voice that, Taylor? No. Uh, <laughs> what, what Jonathan said, thank you. Uh, I love the DCU will be directly adapting comic runs, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Paradise Lost, etc. But do you think this adds a sense of predictability with the plots of these films and limits them creatively? Thanks. That's a good question. Oh, I missed the I mean, I don't look, I don't just because they're being they're they're based on a comic book run, as we know from the Marvel cinematic universe they use the comic runs to inform what they're going to do to make them work cinematically like for instance civil war began when the new warriors were involved in a scuffle that led to an explosion that killed some school kids blew up a school bus 
because uh, they were doing a reality show. That's very different than how they adapted the Civil War storyline for the MCU. So I think they're going to use the comics as a jumping off point to inform the the movies. They're not going to be exact translations. So I think that there's going to be enough uh, creative license that we're still going to be excited by what we get. But again, could all shit the bed. It could. But I don't think it will. I hope it doesn't. Uh, me too. Because I ain't changing those sheets. No. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Vixter 5001. Their female side of the acting races was much stronger than the men. I have eight women. Uh, I'd happily seen both in the lead and supporting. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. take, Vixter. I mean, there's about there's two people for me in the, the best actor category. Whereas, yeah, the, the best female actor won this season. I'm just like, hmm. There's a lot of contenders here. Yep. There's some other people I would have added too, though. I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. All right. D Murdoch. LMFAO. Crispy Savage in the chat. Who, me? No. I'm missing it. I'm a sweet little lady. I don't even see what's happening right now. I know. I'm missing it. No, these are all from older. These oh, are from a while okay, ago. They, okay. they wrote this in, you know, 33 minutes ago. Oh, uh, true. We'll have a recap after <laughs> yeah. the show. I, Yo, a know, long time ago. I. <laughs> I'm doing the show. I'm in the chat. I'm everywhere, motherfuckers. Let's go. <laughs> Woohoo! That was scary. Chris Kringle. Yeah, okay. A little scared. Mark Newman. <laughs> Most movies, Chris. Informed Optimism New. Horror movie, Chris. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That's a fair assessment of how I view True. these things. I, I, should, I should give it the old college try, but I just life is so short and unless somebody tells me about how i can deal with a movie and kind of holds my hand through it there's just certain movies that you know much like seth rogue was talking about his own opinion there's just a certain type of movie that i do not enjoy seeing i i don't want to spend my limited free time on this lovely little rock watching those kinds of movies because they make me feel bad in my tummy and that's i should not loan I you a serbian film i feel like you shouldn't i have the unrated uncut version you can watch it. I don't. I don't want that. I would never do if that. You, to you. If you, you skip over all the scary parts, you know, it's just a movie about someone struggling with their emotions. See, uh, well, if I could get that cut, I'd be in. Yeah. It's about a porn star. <laughs> okay. Is that why it's uncut? <laughs> what the Serbian movie? Or what are we talking about? <laughs> a Serbian film is about a porn star. Oh, gotcha. What? I'm just gonna guess a this reformed is... porn star. Okay. Oh. It gets pulled back oh. in. Oh. Okay. It's pronounced Gustav. Uh-huh. Hey, crew, love the show. Last of Us Season 2 was announced. If a third game isn't made in the next year, could a third season not happen? Thanks. I mean, it potentially couldn't. We've talked about this, of how the creators really like an ending. Yep. And while they have some pieces of a script for a third game and things that Druckmann has talked about that might not see the light of day, but there are some pieces of a story in an extended world that he'd like to see used, they both have talked at nauseum about how they appreciate a solid ending and we've seen other shows really, really just kind of be dragged through the ground when they should have come to a conclusion. Yeah, I, I don't really see a third part to The Last of Us. Yeah. I don't think so. From, I, I need to say, too, I have not finished the second game. What I know of the second game, I don't understand where the story would go. go. You know what I do think, though? I think that anybody that uh, is a Last of Us fan should take up golf. Oh, no. Oh, no. That makes me so sad. I come from a family of golfers. I do too. That's all I'm saying. That's why that scene, I was like, oh no. Any one of the cars could have been in this situation. Wow. 
All right, sorry, I'm just reading up on this. Uh, Matt Sanders in the live chat told me that a 200-pound uh, Shrek sculpture went missing in Western Massachusetts, and this is real. I'm reading about it now. When did you have time to go to Massachusetts? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, know, I hate you flying fly private so over there. Why <laughs> do it? <laughs> Military cargo transport. You will need to know, anytime one of us is going to travel by flying, Taylor has to check in with us (laughs) about his own fear. And it's like, are you nervous? Because I'm terrified I'll die in a plane wreck. This is his pep talk to you before you get on a flight is, I think that a plane could go down. Like, wow. So I've been waiting for an emergency water landing my whole life, and I've never got it yet. And I've flown over the ocean to Australia and New Zealand quite a bit. I can't. I can't do it. Even even you just talking about it right now, I'm like, oof. I can't fly. I can't do it. It's so scary. Silly. All Come right, on, anyway, More people are killed you know, by donkeys annually than, than planes. I'd rather be killed by a donkey than get on a plane ever again, honestly. Okay. To quote the great Clark Kent, statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jasmine Jones. <laughs> Looks like Rick <clears throat> Cosnett, Jessica Parker, Kennedy, and Matt. Lester, I I didn't pronounce any of those right, will be part of the Flash Season 9. Hopefully we'll get Jordan Fisher and Carlos Valdez to make a final appearance. Oh, okay. Uh, Carlos Valdez was um, Vibe Mm -hmm. in the show, Cisco. Mm -hmm. And I believe Jordan was playing one of um, Barry's kids from the future. And I think... I think we'll probably it'll knowing that show will probably get a blowout. I'm sure they're going to bring back... Yeah, there's going to be some kind of wrap-up where we're going to see a bunch of familiar faces and such. Yes, I agree. But wow... Nine seasons. Nine seasons and we still don't have a Flash movie. <laughs> Interesting. But it's the best movie. <laughs> but it's the greatest movie uh, Not ever. only do we not have a Flash movie, but they've bet the entire farm on the Flash movie resetting the universe so they can do what they need to do. Yeah. Batman Flashpoint. KJ McGrew. Also, do you guys think that the Paradise Lost series would do the skirmish of the Amazons and the God Ares like the Justice League animated show touched upon? Or the George Perez run of Wonder Woman. Yeah. I, I th- well, you know, the, Ares was in the first Wonder Woman movie, you know, the big bad. I think that that could be there. I mean, I'd like to see a lot of what George Perez did in that Wonder Woman comic was really interesting because he leaned yeah. heavily into the mythological of it all. I mean, to be honest, I would love to see the gods in that show as well. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, deciding to even create paradise island to create the amazons or, or what, what was the political machinations behind that decision i hope that we get all that I, yeah. I think it'd be great when i think a series allows you to dive way more into that too so I'm i mean to me it. i don't think game of thrones i think i claudius which is Ooh, one of the greatest yeah. things that's ever been on tv mm-hmm, mm-hmm. give me i claudius on uh paradise island that'd be awesome all right people so in the People in the live chat are sending me movies with plane crashes. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> Matt W., did you see the Atman's? Oh, yeah. Look out for the little guy book can be pre-ordered. Yeah. Has anyone yep. pre-ordered it yet? No. No? No. I'm tempted. I just wanted to get it and bring tape. it in. Okay. And we'll put it on the table. Oh, okay. that'd be cute. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't know if there's Write room with all of Xavier's school, the entire, oh, on, man. The entire school roster over here. I got here. more. I got more to bring. Look I, I'm at how, bring juggernaut look at you just today. over the top of All them. my toys. <laughs> to the point where I think you're just taunting me now since I don't have any hot toys. Yeah. These, none of these are hot toys. These are all third it party. Matter. We'll just say they are. You know, somebody said I have the wrong Xavier uh, that I need. I do have... Uh, hey, I do have a, a, a James McAvoy head sculpt I can just pop on him. So he can be one or the other. Ooh. <laughs> He's actually explaining. <laughs> oh, I guess you could technically put any head sculpt on anything, right? You, you, don't they all in, interchange? 
You can if they fit. Rob, why? Oh, you just put me on camera while I was texting. Rob, um, why don't you have your juggernaut here? Is that a trick question? What? Wait, am I supposed to answer that? I can't get his hand on. <laughs> <laughs> is that the reason? Is that the joke? It is. I have to heat it up. It, it came. The hand was popped oh, off. Yeah, and it, I, I'm having a. I sit there. It, it's embarrassing <laughs> trying to pop the hand onto yeah, the is. juggernaut. Oh man! All right. Am I missing out? No, no, no. It's okay. All right. So, King Tannic. All right, guys. Routine Transformers conversation begins now. I mean, you know, look, I I was a little too too old for Transformers, and as mm -hmm. I said, I had a bad taste in my mouth because Gen One they use repackaged Japanese toys from other shows that I liked. Yeah. And I was bothered by that. All I can say, but you know, I I watched Beast Wars as a kid. I thought that was fun. But yeah, the the older cartoons from the '80s too. I watched some reruns of that. But I definitely I'm no I'm no Transformers fan in the way like John Campia is, where his yeah. whole bedroom apparently as a child was yeah. decorated with Transformers stuff. I mean, look, I like the first Transformers. I love I I love Dark of the Moon, and I like Bumblebee. I love Bumblebee. Bumblebee yeah. was great. And I think the new movie looks really cool. Yep, it does. I'm excited about it. Yeah. All right, D. Murdoch. John Walker is on some type of drugs. Oh, this is uh, just someone in the chat who is acting uh, up. We're going to really need a recap on all of this because <laughs> yeah. apparently I, I'm missing what's wow. going on in my own show. There's like a show within a show happening. Yeah. No this worries, is so meta. I got wow. you. I got you. And Shopshin. <laughs> Shopshin. <laughs> Guillaume LaBelle. Choose only one. Halloween kills or ends? neither I, I defer to you guys on that at least halloween kills i mean they're both if you have to pick i'll take halloween kills yeah i would just <sighs> yeah yeah i'd pick it if, if i had to that's yeah what i would pick but don't make me choose all right william bonnet is there another ip with multiple characters that can generate another cinematic universe each character gets a movie then comes together in a finale uh i mean outside of dc and marvel Surely, I mean, you can look to literature, you can look yeah. to books. Um, I mean, they they already tried doing it a little bit with Nancy Drew of doing spinoffs from that because there's multiple characters. Um, I mean, gosh, you go to yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which mm -hmm. is all, and go back to the idea of these literary heroes between Captain Nemo and, but yeah, I mean, I mean, technically, you could have done that with Star Wars instead of just following one family. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, you could follow, and then and then it had built up to. You know, a big, you could probably epic do thing. that with um, Dresden Files, with the name of the Wind series as well. Those kinds of things. Um, but it's hard because the it's hard to find an IP that you can actually make work. Yeah, it's tough because we've seen a lot of them start and not go for the a sort of Truth series too. The Seeker was a show that you know yep. was not particularly well executed, um, oh. and also that book series gets very violent and very ooh, towards but the then end. The other part of the question is, could you see like individual movies lead? That's a tough, that's a yeah. tough call to, to, to do that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find that. I mean, everybody wants to find that kind of an IP. Exactly. That's why we see everyone get in cinematic universes. Yep. Yep. How about right. that Witcher show? Mm -hmm. Next oh. up we have Paul T. Hey, Rob just finished my script. <laughs> and registered it with the WGA. Should I register it with the Library of Congress or is it not necessary? I actually, can't. I mean, if you want, copyright it. No, this is a great question, actually. It, it is a great question. I, I would yeah. copyright your script first, but, but um, you know, the WGA, you, you should copyright. You should always protect your work somehow, but I would, I would copyright it. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. Even though that, you know, 
maybe you should make sure you give it to beta readers to see how they think of it before you bother. Yeah. Are you but, part of that? <laughs> no, no. Oddly enough, Rob is a beta reader. No, I, let me tell you. I read scripts professionally for years in the right. 90s. It was very demoralizing and very hard because, look, you'd go into it like I went into every – I wanted every script to be good. I read over 3,000 scripts oh, professionally. Wow. <laughs> now, I said recommend to a few. I only said yes to one. One script in all the scripts I read. And for those of you, not to keep you in suspense, but the only script I ever said yes to, because on scripts you either go uh, recommend, which is the top. There's no yes. It's recommend, maybe, or no, basically. Um, the only script, and I said yes to it was Andy Kevin Walker's script for Seven. And when I said yes to that, I was working at Silver Pictures. I was a staff reader. The movie didn't get made for another five years. Well, the movie came out in 95. I read it in 1990. There was a an agent who's now a producer named Gavin Pallone. And he worked, and I want to say, I want to say he worked at Bauer Benedict before it became UTA. Everything Gavin Pallone sent to Joel Silver's company was worth reading. So I asked that anything that came from his office, I would get to read, which they did. And one of the scripts was seven that Gavin Pallone sent over. And Andy Kevin Walker at the time was a, a, a clerk at tower records. And I think, I think he's written David Fincher's new movie, the killer oh, nice. that comes out this year. That must've been so cool to read that script. Like just I, scene. I, I was one of the first people to read that script, and and um, I here was the frustrating part. Well, I could, you know, I won't tell the story, but it it was <laughs> it was frustrating to 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 champion a script that it took two weeks for somebody to listen to me. Mm. Anyway, so it's a let long me story. a follow up on that though, and serious uh, question though. So, if you had said no to that, would that mean that probably wouldn't have been made or no I, just... I, well because it got sent out to other people uh, okay gotcha. but but i think whenever you say it, that's how black licks black list scripts happen is that yeah. here here's the thing about great screenplays great screenplays get read by all the people in the industry if they're great people are desperate to find great scripts and um that script i mean the, the reason it took five years to get made was nobody wanted it to end that way nobody wanted the movie to end with spoiler alert gwyneth paltrow's head in a box and David Fincher was the one that came along and said, and David Fincher, by the way, coming off the debacle of Alien 3, this was, and David Fincher was one of the big music video directors at the time, incredible visionary, started his career working at ILM, shooting stuff on Return of the Jedi. Uh, he didn't make a movie for five years. So Seven was his, after after the experience of Alien 3, he came back, why am I talking about this? I'm so sorry, you're going, what? <laughs> no, this is really cool. But anyway, um, he came back and did Seven, and that was what really put him on the map, and did... He did an amazing job with Seven. It's an incredible film. Kyle Cooper over at Imaginary Forces did the opening titles. What a what a what a film! But nobody wanted to make that movie for five years. That's wild. See, when you go on these, though, Rob, I think everyone gets really excited. Ray and I were talking about this before the show started. You have done so many jobs in Hollywood, <laughs> and it's super interesting to interesting to get your like feedback and your, your whole thought process on these things. Just Call because like, like we've. I've never had these jobs. I, I've done like some ADR script pump ups and I've done like 
you know, obviously things in front of the camera and a little bit of minor producing. I haven't worked to the extent that you have. So it's really, really cool to get your perspective true, on true all True Robert Wood stories. Yeah. Remind me yeah. to tell you the story of how I got in trouble when I was a reader at William Morris about the uh, William Wisher script of Judge Draft of Judge Dredd. Oh, hell yeah. And John Woo. That's a good story. Sweet. I won't tell it now, though. I'm excited. What else we got, Dave? <laughs> I really thought that was going to be a joke, but it was a real one. That was a really cool story. Uh, the live chat was loving it, too. Everyone was saying, keep going. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right. D Murdoch. Shout out to Chris, Rob, Ray, Jonathan, and Tay. Y'all the GOAT. Oh, thank Aww, you. Thanks, oh, thank D. you. We appreciate you. <laughs> thanks so much. And thank you all for watching today, too. We really appreciate all of you who are here with us. This is awesome. All right. It's the bat. If the Camp U crew was in an Evil Dead movie, who would read the book? Who gets possessed first? Who survives? I get possessed first, but on purpose, just for uh, fun. <laughs> I figured it would be me because I'm just so like, I don't know, unsuspecting of anyone. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be the final girl. I don't think I'd make it. I'm scrappy, but I think in this room, I feel like Jonathan would outlive all of us. Yeah, but I'll be asleep. So they would think I'm, <laughs> they would think I'm dead. Well, you know what, though? They no, Here's, you would them. be the final girl because I would sacrifice myself to the demon so you could escape. Rob. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, what a guy. And you and Jonathan would go on to the second movie. Sweet. But I agree, I definitely survived. <laughs> but also would not try to save me. <laughs> well, you know, Jonathan's got three daughters to take care of. That's very so true. So he has to survive. He's got priorities. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, do we do? Do we do Ghost Stop? Mm. Hang on. Let's... Sorry. No, it's Paul T. Paul oh, there T. we go. Paul T. Sorry, I meant having it copyright it besides having it register at the WGA. Thank you. Oh, that was a follow-up. Oh, that's why I was confused. Okay, and, yeah. And, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, here's another thing you can do. You can put your script in a manila envelope and mail it to yourself and don't open the package. That's mm -hmm. an extra added bit of protection. So yep. uh, send it to yourself, registered mail, and have it uh, and keep the receipt and don't open the package. Mm. Wait, what does that do? Well, it shows that it's yours. It gives you a bit of legal protection. Oh, that okay. What, what just, is that, just that mere act of doing that? Yes. Because it's, like it's like an official government. You can then prove, you can say, if let's say that's, somebody- That's interesting. Let's say huh? somebody stole your script and there was some kind of a dispute. You would have, it's kind of like having evidence that's, right. that's sealed. Like you're, like you're uh, sending yourself on your phone, like a, a photo that you took or something. Well, yeah, but that's, this way it's got an official government- uh, mm. um, uh, because it's the U.S. Post Office, it hasn't. It's it's considered right, official because right. okay. you can't fake it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gustav says, "Love y'all." Jonathan was wondering if it would be possible to put the video show on the Spotify podcast, like the other podcasts do. Thanks, y'all. Oh, uh, it's actually interesting you mentioned that. We don't have an official plan yet, but we are thinking about testing that feature with Spotify Video, where you upload the video to it. You can either listen to it audio-wise or, or get the video as well. Maybe no promises. Maybe in a week, maybe two weeks, we'll be launching a test of that. But uh, nothing's written in stone yet. But we're aware of it, and we're thinking about it. All right. Let's see. Affair. Phase four's themes has been grief, making it seem to me the least kid-oriented phase yet. Aunt May, Vision, and Wanda's kids. Shang-Chi's mom, T'Challa, and Ramonda. Ajak, uh, Gilgamesh, uh, Icarus, and Gore's people. That's I true. agree. It's been a big through line throughout the phase. Yeah. And I do think that is why it's a little a little more elevated than maybe your your typical superhero affair. But again, everyone has an opinion, and opinions are like assholes. They just don't have to make you one. You can be nice about your stuff.
It's true. Yeah. But that's true. I mean, I do I do think that there's a great point there. That's why I think Thor Love and Thunder disappointed me so much. I wanted they could have really leaned that that could have been a really meaningful not that it wasn't, but it, it it always went for the comedy, and I think that film could have been a really poignant, really hard hitting film, like really resonant and emotional. And it was kind yeah. of a goof. And I, I wished it was more because Gore the God Butcher's whole journey was was really profound. Yeah. And it was a I I, I really I, I think with that material I it was a real missed opportunity. Mm. Well, and if you go back and read the comics of that, which I highly, highly recommend, I mean it really is an exploration of how your faith can be broken and the loss of your whole worldview can be shattered when it comes to your own personal loss. And when somebody is a very devoted follower of something, when they are continually denied joy, how that shifts who you are and how you will do anything if you suffer enough. And I think it's a really, really interesting character study. Sure, he looks like a Twilight. Sure, he is a very like alien-looking character, but it's such a human story that I think so many people can relate to. So really, really go read those comics, you guys, because it's a very different kind of thing that I would have liked Christian Bale to be able to dive into more. You know, speaking of scripts, and I'm, I'm drawing a total blank, there was a script that was going to get made. I don't know if it was a blacklist script about like these priests that find that there's no God and they decide to rail at heaven by becoming horrible, like committing all these awful crimes. I'm not doing this justice, but it's a script I only heard about and want to read. So if you find that, I don't know what it's called, but I'd love to read it. I was like, everyday life for some people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have a super chat from uh, Jono Troshani, just to be supportive. Thank you so Thank much. You. I appreciate that. Uh, TJ Perry is up next. I find it funny that Seth Rogen, who helped... On the boys, Diabolical, that had a literal piece of crap as a main character, says the MCU is for kids. It's a fair point, TJ. It's it is point. a fair point. That well, is a great episode, though. That Aquafina episode of it's Diabolical really good. is really fun. But yeah. I get it. But also the delivery is like not for kids. It's not it's not like pee pee poo poo. It's like it's like you're not going to let your kids watch that. Yeah. It's definitely geared towards an adult audience. Yeah. All right. Next up is Bang. Uh, have you guys seen Sorry to Bother You? Just saw the film and the ending was insane. I have not. I have not seen it as either. I haven't seen it yet either. It came out in 2018, though. I remember wanting to go see it and then yep. I just never got my butt to the theater. What movie? Sorry, Sorry to, bother to Bother You. you? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Were you yeah. sleeping? <laughs> no, he's just working on some yeah. graphics. Uh, all right, D Murdoch is up next. Hey, y'all. This is for Authority and, or, or sorry, Anthony in the chat. What comic book run for Superman is James Gunn going to be adapting for Superman Legacy? Oh, man. Dee, that's really sweet of you to put in a super chat for somebody else who is talking in the chat about something. I love that. Um, I believe one of the things that has been going around is All-Star. Yeah, All-Star, yeah. Superman. I, I think he's going to touch on Superman for all seasons, too. I hope so. I do, too. I, that's what I've said. I've said that they should adapt that as a movie spring some winter winter yeah. spring summer winter fall if you want to see rob really deep dive into that too we have a weekly hero episode you should definitely be tuning into those but when we have our issues on superman for all seasons rob explains that issue so beautifully and i think he makes a really really great case for using that i would love it mm -hmm. have you guys seen the animated movie all-star superman i haven't seen that one i actually good. thought it was pretty good okay. yeah. i actually really liked it how did you miss that one all right, TJ Slab Dragon Watson, what's up? How's it going? Don't be a victim of spec books. Avoid for six months, they'll drop back down. Yeah, but you can sell yours now. 
no, but he, you're not wrong. I mean, that's 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 you're doing good business there. But if you're in the business of making money, if they go up now, you sell high, right? Yeah, yeah. You I, don't want you don't want your book to value to go down. That's very if, true. If you're selling, not if you're collecting. If you're just getting them for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Then just wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wait. Wait until people forget. Yeah. I agree. All right, Stephen Delint Routers. I think I pronounced that one right. To come back on my message regarding Peter Pan and Wendy from yesterday. It's being directed by David Lowry, who did The Green Knight, and it's slated for, to release on Disney Plus this year. Yeah, I, I looked up that looked that up because I didn't know much about it. I'm looking forward to that, you know, retelling of the whole Peter Pan story. I love yeah. The Green Knight. I mean, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that. I mean, it's going to be the same approach as Arthurian mythology. I, I think it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. But why just Disney Plus? All right, Bobby Jackson's up next. I get uh, narratively Jack had to die. Oh, no, here we go with the door. But realistically, I always wondered why not take turns on the door, not both being on the door. I don't know. He's being a gentleman or some shit. Yeah. I I mean, that's what he was doing. The chivalry was not dead in that that, uh, day and age. But Jack was. You know? Oh. (laughs) Wow. why? Come on, man. Rose's body count was at zero. Yeah. She was worth preserving. Come on. Suthius. <laughs> Rewatched Robocop last night, and Murphy's death scene is just so horrific, so realistic. It's one of the times where you say, okay, fools need to die. Now, the question is did you watch the theatrical version or the director's cut? Uh, and if you listen to Paul Verhoeven, who talks a lot about his Catholic imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting about Robocop is it is the resurrection story. And, and Verhoeven talks about how the reason Murphy's death is so horrific is because it's his crucifixion before the resurrection, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's very cool. I love Robocop. All right. Travis James R. Always love the Friday shows and really enjoy hearing about the team side projects. Can the team plug themselves for a minute? Oh, thanks, Travis. Oh, Travi, thank you so much. Well, Taylor, let's kick it off with you. Where can people find other stuff that you're working on? Sure. So uh, you can find me on my Instagram. You can find me on my Twitter. You can find me on my YouTube channel. Last night, I put up my Knock at the Cabin, Taylor's Take. Tonight, I will be putting up my 80 for Brady, Taylor's Take. I am very excited for that. You can find me on all those 50 Shades of Tay with three Ys. Nice. Rob, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me if I'm not here on my own YouTube channel, Rob Observations. We do at 9 o'clock Pacific time the Friday night midnight musings. I do that with Lael Rockwell, the 1-6 scale man, and Rm, who is a delightful woman who's a part of my channel as well. Uh, she does the Ladies of the Post Geek Singularity, which is what my audience is called. Uh, and if you want, you can watch Dota Dragon's Blood on Netflix, all 24 episodes of the three seasons. You can watch. I edited those. And a film I produced and edited called Tango Shalom is on Amazon and streaming. Nice. So there you go. Uh, if you want to learn about voiceover, you can come hang out with me and my husband, Logan, at speakfriendstudio.com. Um, we are going to have some group dialect classes coming up. Logan is an expert at those. Uh, we create demos for people who are interested in voice acting. We do a lot of class- classes and everything. We've got a boot camp coming up, too, February 18th. So if you are interested in learning about VO and you want to dip your toe in, that's a great way to do it. It's a Saturday, February 18th, for just about three hours. It's a real fun time. Uh, I'm going to have some stuff with Amy Newman soon. Ooh. I'm going to hopefully have some other stuff happening, which is really, really cool. Guys, do we have anything else you guys want to plug? No. No? <laughs> okay. Although just King Tannock's new show on the Burnett work, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Otaku surprised. Experience. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't mention that. That was really cool. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch that. That's right. It's really, his episode's really good. Yeah, because you go online past my bedtime usually. <laughs> well, he, okay. The Otaku Experience is a pre recorded show. Sweet. Produced show that will drop every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Oh, it's perfect. I'm home. Yep. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And he it. does a great job. And you know what? If you don't want to sit for an hour, all, they're, all the subjects are laid out. You can go through every section, it's all done very, very well. Nice. King Tannic knows what's up. Cool. Nice. Th- thanks for giving us the opportunity to do that, Travis. That was real sweet of you. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Travis. All right, next up we have uh, Naftali Coder. Sorry if I mispronounced that. I keep seeing articles about Daisy Ridley basically saying she's available for more Star Wars. I wonder, is she not getting enough work? I mean, I think she really enjoyed doing yeah. Star Wars. Actor wants a job. Yeah. Film at 11. I was going to say, let's head over to her IMDb page, too, and see if she's got anything. Yeah, I saw that she was doing something new. Doing some indie stuff right now. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about British actors is I think British actors have long uh, careers because they can go back to the stage. They Mm -hmm. can do their TV. There's so many great, uh, great things that are being made in England. So I think that she'll probably be working for a very long time. But who wouldn't want some of that Star Wars cheddar? She's got a film coming out this year called Sometimes I Think About Dying. Um, so she's doing a lot of different stuff and she's young too. So I know she loved being Ray and there's constantly other things. You know, if you look at some of the animated shows too, that bring back other Jedi and look at their explorations through time, I think, you know, she's just letting them know she enjoyed it. And I think you have to in the current star Wars climate say, if you did like being part of it, because you know, fans, whatever your opinion of it is, sometimes people were saying that she was a Mary Sue and she wasn't a good fit and blah, 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 the character Ray. And, you know, it's awesome if you, despite those criticisms, can just say, hey, no, I enjoyed my time here. I really like this character. I'd totally go back to it. Totally true. Yeah. All right, next up we have, uh, I think we're on Kurt. Nancy Drew and a few other CW shows got pushed back to debut in the summer instead of winter. Anyone know why? Maybe they're trying to stretch out their remaining inherited scripted content. Probably. I'm not sure. I, I mean, mean, that means we're not going to see Aaron Cummings. I know. Sooner rather than later. I know. Or maybe there's hope because they were like, Aaron's so good on this show. Let's just give her another. Let's she's give got her a front, another got, season. Yeah. Create a spinoff. Give her yeah. a starring, starring. Give just her give a her show spin-off. starring. Yeah. I'm in. All right. And it looks like we're just ending with some support from Philly G. Thank you so much, Philly. Oh, $10 for just support, too. Thanks, yeah, thank Philly you. G. That's sweet of you. Well, guys, that'll do it for this Friday edition of the John Campia Show, the non-Campia Show, if you will, with the Batman Beyond crew. Woo-hoo! Thank yeah. you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate you guys because we can't do this show without you, your awesome questions, and your amazing support. So, on behalf of everyone in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico, Taylor Gonzalez, Spoiler pick. (laughs) And myself, Chris Carr. Thank you so much, you guys. Have an amazing weekend. We are going to be doing another little open mic later on the day, so make sure you hit that bell so you get notified right when we are going online. If we don't see you, though, till Monday, have a great weekend. Stay safe and be kind out there. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) 